3: And it's funny because you say, back to the grind, back to work. It's not a grind for us, nor is it work. Happy to be here, and happy holidays to everybody because they continue. Merry Christmas. Hope that everybody had a fabulous time with their family. As we've talked about, it is so odd for Christmas to fall on a Sunday. Fitting. I mean, Christmas Sunday, you know, from a theological standpoint and a celebration in church, it's cool. But... You know, it's a weekend, right? And then, I'll, you know, like, well, wait a minute, it's Monday morning. And that's what it is for us with the Colts playing tonight against the Los Angeles Chargers at Lucas Oil Stadium. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Sam Fritz is here. Mark Dykton will be here tomorrow. Kevin, part of his tradition down in Florida. It does not seem long ago, Kevin, that we did this where you were in Florida and I was up here for – but this is your family deal, right, each year? Yeah, so my in-laws come down
4: to uh, Marco Island, which is just south of Naples— um, so we flew down. We had a four-hour delay yesterday. I know no one will um, want to hear me complain about being in Florida right now, as I feel like your Wyoming sweatshirt that you're rocking is probably very fitting of the weather in <laughs> oh, yeah. in Indy. So, uh, yeah, this is a tradition on um, my mother-in-law's side of the family to come down here a little post-Christmas. So uh, it's not balmy, but, again, I will not complain compared to what you guys are dealing with up there. And I, I was thinking about this yesterday, Jake. I, like, have so much appreciation for airport workers on the holidays.
3: Oh, can you imagine?
4: Oh, it's just high-strung to the nth degree there. Um, And, again, like I said, four-hour delay. But we got here safe and sound late last night. And, uh, yeah, this is, like, a weird Monday feeling to it of quite a lot of sports stuff to get to um, throughout the weekend. And, of course, uh, we'll – We'll touch on if Santa showed up at our respective places. Now,
3: is this the same place where you were a year ago? Like, are you in, like, a mop closet and you have to whisper because everybody's asleep?
4: Yeah, it, it is. I, I hope my sound levels are, are, are decent. See so, you um, okay, good. Um, Not necessarily a mop closet, but I think as you can see on the back, and, and for those that don't know, Jake and I are currently on a nice Microsoft Teams call so we can make sure that we see each other. Um, yeah, the uh, lighting in the background is a little dark. Um and I will probably migrate to a different room once, uh, once Rosie and Max wake up. But nonetheless, happy to be here. And uh, you guys had a pretty good
3: Christmas. I did see Newfields got, got canceled. Yeah, I was disappointed by that. I understand it. And I'm not going to go into my rant about like overhype of weather storms because there's a fine balance there. It is important to get everybody prepared and make sure that everybody is safe when you have extreme cold in particular. But everything I had read was that by Saturday, you know, the wind and and any snow that we were going to get, which we ended up not getting, uh, would be ceased. And it would just simply be cold temperatures on Christmas Eve. But I did get the email saying that they canceled on Saturday. I got that on uh, Friday morning. So I was very disappointed by that. But credit to Newfields, they very quickly refunded my tickets. Um, You had the opportunity to go afterwards. But I know I'm weird like this, Kevin, to me. And this is a jQuery ism that like probably is makes no sense to most people. But birthday seven oh three <laughs> in the morning. Let me just jot this down. Cup, got it. Birthday and Christmas are the same for me and the fact that as soon as the calendar is turned off that day, it's over. There's no like the whole like, Yeah, we're gonna do Christmas on the twenty eighth, you know, and get together. I no, I like it's So you want decorations down today? I don't mean that. I don't mean that. But just like the whole, I love, I love it. I love Christmas. I spend, I start wrapping and preparing gifts around a little before Thanksgiving, and I do a little each day, and I, I go to the, I go to shop, and I go out to get in the spirit. I mean, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. But it culminates on Christmas Day, and then as soon as like that festivity is done, then it's almost like a depression, right? Of like, okay, I mean, we it's time to move forward, you know, let's move on, and let's now I know that we've got six weeks of Siberia in front of us, so let's just start getting at it, you know?
4: Now, I, I do have to share this. And, you know, educate and entertain is obviously core values. We have it branded. It's kind of a, uh-huh. it's like a lower back tat for both of us. Um, I think transparent is a word to be used on our show as well. Um, I bought Maddie a sweater that I thought fit her well
3: and ended up being a kid's sweater. Now, did you let me ask you this? Did you buy it from a mail order joint, or did you go so, into a store?
4: No, no, no. I, I I'm a big brick and mortar. Um, okay, been, I am too. I'm a big Old Navy. The Old Navy Glendale. I'm sure you've stopped in there a time or two. Um, I'm intimidated buying women women's clothing, so I'm of the thinking like if I see it, it looks good. I hold it up. It looks decently fitable. And I know I can return it, buy it, and get the hell out of there. Right, right. That, that was literally my train of thought. I, I was so proud of myself, looked good. And as soon as she opened it up, she goes, ooh, boy. And I'm like, what? She goes, this is definitely not an adult sweater. Sure enough, size medium, <laughs> 8 on the old tag. And, and, and who yeah. knew that she would need it in Florida, right?
3: Right, yeah, yeah. But here's the exactly. thing: if that's yes, the worst that you did, if that's the worst you did, then you're doing okay, right?
4: Right. I uh, got some Shania Twain tickets for her, so she was very, very happy about that. Um, but no, all in all, it was a, it was a really good, really good Christmas. Great to see family, and I think we echoed this on Thursday. But hug your loved ones, and uh, it's a beautiful time of year. And if if you are still celebrating this week, or if you all, if you are traveling about, safe travels, and appreciate you uh, tuning in to us here on this Monday morning. Uh, we got a lot to
3: talk about because the Colts are playing and, you know, some interesting stuff that happened over the course of the week in the NFL, NBA as well, college basketball. Kevin, it is a busy time. Uh, I do want to say to those of you to echo Kevin's sentiments, um, look, we were able to, you know, buy Maddie a kid sweater, for example, or buy <laughs> gifts for the family and be around our family because of the fact that, you know, we have jobs, so... Uh, truly, truly grateful for everybody that listens to the program, that makes it possible for us to do it. I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and is set for a Happy New Year. Jeremy is already listening this morning. Matthew in Maine sent a tweet. Uh, Matthew's off work today but went to Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee before listening to the show this morning. So are most people off today? I think is that n- what we're thinking? Here's what I was wondering. I, you know, I do this every once in a while, Kevin. I think most people are off, yes, because I think it's an observed Christmas holiday for most corporations and it's boxing day in canada which means boxing up stuff to return it which is like a holiday but um, well, we'll, we'll be doing that with a sweater when we get back <laughs> if you if you are working today or if you are listening simply if you're listening or if you're up and about and your routine the day after christmas was to turn on this program which we are most grateful i want you to let me know at 317-523-9288 that is my cell phone number. That's obviously three one seven area code, five two three, nine two, eight eight. I would love to know if you're listening, and we are most appreciative, um, Kevin. Let's begin with this for the Colts getting set for tonight. We're on draft watch. I mean, that's the reality. I know people don't want to admit that, but the reality is that you're looking to see where, and there is some some confusion here. There was a tweet sent out last night late last night that said that the Colts are one of just five teams that are still in play for the number one overall pick but I believe actually they can do no higher than two if I'm not mistaken because of the way the schedule falls out Houston would win strength of schedule over Indianapolis in terms of that tiebreaker and the Colts would not be able to get to number one but Arizona last night had some play in this as well right gosh I'm sitting there watching
4: that boy Max was such a Sweet little boy on the flight. Just slept the whole time. I was able to watch that game while holding him. And, oh, my gosh, 16-6. to 6. I'm sitting here thinking Trace McSorley is about to beat Tom Brady, and the Colts are going to climb to – that would have been fourth yep. in the draft order. Um, little Brady magic laid a huge fumble by the Cardinals as well, which aided things. They lose in overtime. So the Colts sit at fifth going into tonight. I think a couple interesting notes to point out from the weekend, Jake. You had a lot of teams in the back half of the top 10 win. So, if the Colts win tonight, which I know a lot of people are probably cringing at that thought, they would only drop to seventh. So, it wouldn't be as big of a fall as I think we maybe would have thought entering this week. If they lose, they maintain their current position in fifth. You know, to your earlier point, Jake, like, oh, I don't know if fans, you know, I don't know if the entire fan base wants to go here. Since last we talked, Jake, they're eliminated from the playoffs. It's over. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars won on Thursday night in New York. Um, So for any of those people that were out there, oh, clinging hope and, you know, 13 things to go their way. And, you know, I'm going to keep on rooting until they're officially eliminated. That's out the window. Um, And I tweeted this out late Thursday night. And I think it's the question that Jim Mercer has to ask himself several times over the next few weeks, Jake. You've missed the playoffs six times in eight years. It's the worst stretch for this franchise in about 25 years. You have not won a AFC South in eight years. That is the worst stretch for this franchise in 30 years. As you know, Jake, Jim Mercey's ownership dates back about 30 years. This is the worst stretch his franchise has ever been in under his watch. How does he view that? He fired Frank Reich. We know that. How does he view Chris Ballard? How does he view his entire football operation? That's the question that I have now that that thought kind of simmers for him inside of his building tonight on Monday Night Football and then next week in New York and then the season finale at Lucas Oil Stadium against Houston.
3: You know, the, if you look at the teams, by the way, there are people working today. Kev. Okay, we got some? Here we go. Matt in Noblesville, what's up? Big Earn? Love Big Earn, man. One of my favorites. Big Earn, Josh Can in I Noblesville. See, what does Big Earn look like? I'm just picturing him right now. Well, now if it's Big Earn, by the way, if it's the same Big Earn I'm thinking of, um, if you know two Big Earns, then <laughs> boy, Big Earn is a native of Texas and has the greatest call-in in the history of this program. Or uh, this program, to me, Kevin, is kind of like the Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, because I did an afternoon show. With Derek and you and Derek get along really well. And now I'm doing this the morning show with you. So like to me it's kind of like an extension of like the franchises, if you will. But gosh, I got
4: nervous there. Where are you Sorry. going with a Browns analogy? Sorry. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> you're gonna pull out one of those jerseys
3: and I'm just gonna be a name on the back of your jersey. <laughs> you're Josh McCown. Um, during during the World Cup in I twelve or something like that, we did our numbers giveaway for countries and Big Earn called in and I was giving hints about each country. And he had gotten I believe it was Ecuador. And I said, "Big Earn, what would you say if I told you that you got a country that has below a fifty percent literacy rate and the smallest like gross national product income, you know in two thousand and eleven? And he stopped and said, "Oh man, I got Washington Street." <laughs> and it, it's the the best comment in the history of the program. But anyway, uh, folks definitely tuned in and much appreciated now. When you look at the the teams that are around Indianapolis in terms of the draft, and that's Kevin, that's where we are now, right? Is we're, right. we're looking at mm-hmm. draft. Yeah. And I know we've done this before, but it does feel like things are a little bit fluid. For example, Houston for certain would be taking a quarterback, right? Right. Chicago probably is okay at quarterback, but you feel like they could trade out of that, don't you think so? Yeah. Agreed. They are the they are the trade domino right there too right now. Correct. Then you've got. In front of Indianapolis, you've got Arizona. Are they in the quarterback market? Jake, I think they are, especially if they
4: can everybody. Because a new regime is going to come in there and look at Kyler Murray and think, torn ACL, and again, I don't know how feasible it is to move his contract, but that is one where if you had asked me that two months ago, I wouldn't have said that. But now... I think they are potentially in that quarterback market. It's not it, it, it it's not a slam dunk, but I think they're more it's in it just, than maybe we would have
3: acknowledged. Kyler a few Murray ago. kind of feels like Baker Mayfield part duh, right? And the fact that like he started out like this can't miss everybody loved him product, and then for whatever reason, it just went awry where he right. was, and and it was time for everyone to move on. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously Detroit getting a pick from the Rams. I, is Detroit looking for a quarterback? That's kind of a curveball, right? Well, right
4: now, they, they are below Indy, right? Because they won on Sunday. They no, won I'm yesterday. Sorry. I'm just going with teams five or fewer, sorry. Got it, got it, got it. So if you look at number three right now, well, uh, as you said, Texans, Bears, 1-2. Cardinals are four. The third team would be Denver okay. sending their pick to Seattle. Don't you think – I know Geno Smith had a great year, but Seattle's got to
3: take a QB, right? You would think. I, I Seattle mean, how can probably Gino? go a, lot, a couple areas, but Gino's, I mean, Gino's got to be in his, in his, his 30s. 30s, right? 32, maybe?
4: Looking it up right now. Let me yeah, tell you 30, something.
3: How did you know Gino Smith's age? I think we looked it up at one point. Is he 32? 32. I mean, Kevin, do you ever thank yourself that you have access to this sort of a Wikipedia?
4: If you're going to make body <laughs> language like that, I'm going to have to turn your camera off. Um,
3: yeah, you would... You would think Seattle is looking to, if nothing else. Gino Smith has played at a level that Seattle might have the luxury of drafting a guy that they can kind of sit on for a year. You know what I mean? So,
4: I mean, basically, right now, if you look at the four teams above Indy, Houston, 100 percent quarterback, Bears, zero percent, Seattle, what's called 60-40 take a quarterback, Arizona, maybe a little bit less than that. But again, if they make a regime change. Um, I think it's no guarantee that Kyler Murray is their quarterback. As we mentioned last week, if the Colts lose out, they will be locked into a top five pick. So they continue to just kind of slowly move up. Could have got some help, as Jake pointed out last night from Arizona. That did not happen. Uh, tonight, it will be Nick Foles under center exactly one year after his last start. Sam Ellinger will be the backup, so very wisely by the Colts. No Matt Ryan dressing, which again, we've stressed many times that financial hit of $17 million if he were to get hurt. Um, he's not even going to dress tonight. I think a couple things with Foles. I think he will be more willing to take some shots down the field. I thought he was pretty erratic, to be honest with you, Jake, in training camp and the preseason. But I think he will take a few more shots down the field. And then it's something I'll bring up with Matt Taylor when he joins us in the 9 o'clock hour. Is Nick Foles just mentally sharper than Matt Ryan? Which I know might sound like a ludicrous statement to make on a 15-year vet and a 37-year-old QB and someone that might be in the Hall of Fame one day. I thought Matt Ryan had scar tissue this year. Maybe it was the hits but I just didn't think he gave you that mental chess match advantage at the line of scrimmage. I'll be curious to see if Nick Foles, who, again, has been in this league for a decade and has 60-some starts, if he gives you anything there.
3: Uh, Tony East will join us at 8.30 this morning. We'll talk a little Pacers who are coming off two straight wins, two good wins, as a matter of fact, at Boston and at Miami. They are in New Orleans tonight. Looks like Zion Williamson will lace him up for that. Then tomorrow night, back at the Fieldhouse, they take on Atlanta. Uh, then How about o'clock. that Miami game? What's that? How about that Miami game? How about Halliburton? 43, man. 43 and a big three at the end and basically just said, hey, like, give me the rock and I'm good. Oh. Right?
4: You know, I I think the debate is no longer is he an all-star. Frankly, I think the debate is is he an all-star starter or a reserve? I mean, if you look at his numbers, you could make a case for him being an actual starter Um what a shot. And, and uh, you know, I, I thought his comment to Jeremiah Johnson, which you just referenced there after the game of, you know, after Tyler Hero hit that three to tie it up, it was give me the ball. And just his response. I was I was at that Miami game, I guess, earlier this month when he was, you know, he was terrible. He was 0 for 9. He had one point And Bam Adebayo switched on him, and he had no answer for it. And then he responds with that. He responds with 43, sets a franchise record with 10 threes, like this guy continues to check boxes for me, Jake. Where it's less of like, oh, he's your quarterback of the future. He's your Mark Jackson. You know, whatever label you want to kind of throw on him, or at least what I thought he was when he first got here. To now, I'm thinking to myself, he he's a star. And, and I get there's different levels of stardom in the NBA. But you know, I pointed this out after the Boston win last week, when you can pencil him in. For 20 points and 10 assists, there are less than a handful of guys in the NBA that can do that. And when he's making those shots late, like he did in Boston, like he did in Miami, of course, uh, this guy's got another gear that I just didn't think he had in him.
3: I think there are two ways to classify a superstar. One is a guy that has such an alpha, female as well, but I mean, in this case, we're talking about in the NBA. A guy that has such an alpha about him that it is so clear to everybody else. You know, the old story, Kevin, that Secretariat, the great racehorse, that I mentioned before, that when Secretariat went back um, in retirement to the stables and it was feeding time, they would bring the water and the bales out and all the horses would sit and wait. And Secretariat was the oldest horse there and eventually he would get up and walk over and eat, and then everyone else followed suit, okay? Like they just Mm -hmm. knew, right? There are certain stars that every player on the floor just knows, like there's an aura about them. Michael Jordan had that. Kobe Bryant had that. There are other stars that don't make everyone feel that tension and that subservient nature around them, but rather they exude – a youthfulness about them or an exuberance about them that makes everybody feel better and more optimistic about what's going on to just go have fun with it. And I feel like that's what Halliburton is. Like Halliburton just has this, this easygoing nature about him that kind of calms his teammates and allows them to just go out and play. And that's and, and it's working for them. And they knew when you know, Miles Turner, now that discussion's apparently taking place, I think we've said on this show, I know that I have said that, I, that you, you've heard me say, I yep. think that they probably, that they feel there's a role for Miles Turner, especially with Halliburton. They wanted to see how it worked. And it's working, right? And, and so I think that they just feel like he is the centerpiece that everything flows very nicely off of. And I- it's working. I do want to get to that Turner um, contract talk, which you
4: know kind of got lost in the shuffle, rightfully so, of, of, the, of the Christmas holiday. Um, in a little bit, and like Jake said, Tony East going to join us at nine o'clock talk more about that. You know, with with Halliburton, I just I thought he was more quarterback facilitator and not like score. And, and he's showing to me that the scoring is really legit. Um, and again, I just cannot stress enough how much I was impressed by how awful his performance was against the Heat a few weeks back. He talked about that many times after the game, and then he responds in that way. And, I mean, you look at these last two games. You went in Boston and in Miami. Jake, that'll rank right up there with just about any back-to-back road wins the Pacers certainly will have this season, and probably right up there with any team, for the ability to go into Boston after you lost 4-5, or get off that great start, hold on for dear life, and then in Miami you make those plays late. And actually, came back a little bit um, against the Heat. Um, as you mentioned, tonight it is Zion Williamson. So he's out of health and safety protocols. Is that the update on that I, front? I, had I saw read, had missed the last couple.
3: I read last night that they thought there was the possibility he was going to play tonight. I don't know that he's been totally clear, but they thought tonight would be his return night. I was surprised they weren't on Christmas. W- wouldn't they be like the ideal Christmas team? I totally agree with that. I mean, they're the – but, you know, they're kind of like Kevin. I mean, the, even though Zion is a bigger star than probably what the Pacers had when – the Pacers have had years like Paul George or Oladipo where all of a sudden they got off to a good start and were one of the best teams in the East. Um, they're kind of like that, right? I think most people would be stunned to know that New Orleans is one of the top teams in the West, but Zion Williamson's clearly a star. So, yeah, I would agree that it was surprising they were not on national television.
4: Yeah, that's an 8 o'clock tip. So the Pacers came home after the Miami game, quick little Christmas, and then 8 o'clock tip tonight from New Orleans. That pairs up with an eight fifteen kick inside of lucas oil stadium uh, how about ty hilton third and 30 jake just throw
3: it up to ty and that that was pretty vintage him do you want to know something really sad kevin really sad i have a very damning statistic for you oh i'll tell it to you as part of the morning checkdown. how's that Okay, okay. Right. Hell of a tease there by Jake
4: Query. Good Monday morning. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Sam Fritz in for Mark And Again, Tony East going to join us. I think I said 9. That's actually 8.30, correct, Sam? Correct. Matt Taylor at 9. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, at 9 o'clock to get you ready for Monday Night Football tonight. Colts and Chargers. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Kevin and Query. Hope you had a great weekend. Again, safe travels this week. And uh, Kevin and Query, 93.5, 5, 107.5, the fan.
3: Half past seven on a Monday. Good morning to Kurt, Scott, Mike, Scotty, Steve, Darren, Rionica, Matt, Josh, Ryan, Steve, Isaiah, Josh and Frankfurt, Andrew and Scott, Matthew Let's as go. well. That are all letting me know that they are listening this morning. Merry Christmas to all. And Big Earn, right? And Big Earn, but by the way, different Big Earn. We have two Big Earns, Kevin. No, it's stop not my it. Big Earn. It's Big Earn and Cicero. Yep. My <laughs> gosh, we need Ernie L's to call into the show tomorrow. <laughs> the show of Big Earns. Um, in the NFL, we were talking about the fact that T.Y. Hilton gets in the game for the Dallas Cowboys. He had a 52-yard reception. Is that correct, Kevin? Sounds right. One and catch and 30, right? For 52 yards. That means that T.Y. Hilton, who has been watching, is it Zionsville or Westfield football games? Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. So T.Y. Hilton, who has been a sideline standby for Zionsville football over the course of the season was able to head over to Thrifty Threads or Play It Against Sports or Imro Sports or Dick Sporting Goods and pick up a Dallas Cowboys helmet and a uniform, hop on a American Airlines flight, fly down, go to Joe T. Garcia's, get something to eat, maybe swing by the sixth floor museum, check that out, and then walk out on the field for the Cowboys, catch himself a 52-yard catch, and guess what? Already further than any reception the Indianapolis Colts have had this year, besting Alec Pierce's 47-yard catch, which is the longest reception of the season for the Indianapolis Colts.
4: Did he climb the wall at Galleons? Was that that his prep before he (laughs) headed down there for Dallas? He did. Um, He did. What a huge play in the game. I mean, obviously it was a third and 30. If that play doesn't happen, Dallas does not win that game. And I've always said this about T.Y., Jake. He is – I think he'd be an unbelievable center fielder. I just think he tracks deep ball so well. And, like, for a 5'9 guy, you maybe don't think that. But what a throw by Dak Prescott. What a catch by T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Some other notes from the NFL weekend. Bengals have won seven in a row. 49ers have won eight in a row. And, Jake, we mentioned this earlier. The Colts eliminated from the playoffs. Why? Because Jacksonville won. They right now, Jake, would host the Baltimore Ravens in round one of the playoffs. The Jags are at seven and eight. The Titans are at seven and eight. Titans have won, or excuse me, have lost five in a row. And Ryan Tannehill could be done for the year.
3: Yeah, the Titans, man. It's you know Malik Willis had a a, a running touchdown, but in terms of through the air, they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, how about Detroit? By the way, Detroit, it's right there for them, right? Seven and seven going in, taking on Carolina, and. Don't look now, but the Panthers, boy, the Panthers were really, really, really hoping for Arizona last night because they've kind of put things together a little bit, Carolina has, since Baker Mayfield left and had a chance to take control of that division, believe it or not, had Tampa lost, but Tampa did not, but Carolina 37-23 over the Lions. Does Jeff
4: Saturday not like that because Steve Wilkes is doing that down there as an interim coach? Boy, it's – I think it's, it's something you got to look at. If you are Jim Ursay um, Okay, moving on to tonight. Again, it is the Colts and Chargers Monday Night Football. Last I checked, I think the Colts were a four-and-a-half-point underdog, if that sounds right. Again, it will be Nick Foles starting. Sam Ellinger will be the backup. Jake, I've said this about the Chargers a lot. I think they have a lot of unique players like Justin Herbert is unique Austin Eckler really unique running back Derwin James sounds like he'll be back Um, pretty versatile guy on the defensive side of the ball if the Chargers win tonight they are in the playoffs so they got a lot of help uh, this past weekend Jets and Patriots losing Dolphins losing to the Packers so uh, Colts eliminated again draft position they would be fifth with a loss the Chargers if they come in and win tonight inside of Lucas Oil Stadium they have punched their ticket
3: you know the Dolphins by the way for a guy that kind of was a a sympathetic, I guess you'd say, quote-unquote, Pro Bowl snub that some thought a month ago was in the MVP conversation, uh, Tua did not do very well in, in responding to the critics, right? No, especially in that second half. I mean, great, great
4: first half. Explosive plays everywhere. But, yeah, second half, and uh, don't look now. I know Mark Dykton would hate to hear this, but here come the Green Bay Packers. Sam, if you don't mind, uh, cue up that Jeff Saturday clip on uh, – On Nick Foles, again, uh, benched Matt Ryan earlier in the week. It'll be Nick Foles tonight making his debut, I guess his starting debut, I should say, with the Colts.
3: Yeah. So he and he and Sam have been rotating. Obviously, um, they're a scout team, and um, both those guys have been very competitive back there. They've they've you know they've they've done well against our defense and continues to. And and uh, yeah, I mean I mean Nick Nick has been the ultimate pro. He's a fantastic teammate. You know, with Matt and Sam throughout this whole year. So, uh, but in practice, he he has he has done extremely well. Um, and you know he, he carries he carries himself with with uh, with confidence, and when he gets out there, you know you can tell he feels it. So uh, excited to give him an opportunity, and and uh, you know hopefully he makes the most of it. He's a guy who. All right, moving on. Uh, the
4: Pacers will be in action tonight. They've got the Pelicans again. The Pacers coming off two in a row. That's the first time they had won two in a row. In a month. It was in Boston, in Miami, just some great late-game drama. Tyrese Halliburton, 43 points. Jake, I didn't realize it as the game was moving along, but
3: that's a franchise record, 10 three-pointers. Correct, it's a, which is amazing, right? I mean, the game's changed a little bit, for sure. Sure. You know, I mean, the... When Reggie had his explosion in his 29 point fourth quarter in the Garden in 94 in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that was seven threes and a quarter, but I mean, still, you know, that was just amazing, right? Um, the game's changed for certain, but it is so interesting because of all the shooters and the players and the streak scores that the Pacers have had over, over time, you would not think that Tyrese Halliburton would be the one with the record for most three point shots in a game, right? Three points yeah, just- made in a game.
4: I would have thought Reggie, maybe even Paul, sure. um, with 10-3. So on the bad Bowen news front, again, unfortunately Kevin bought a kid's sweater for Maddie for Christmas. <laughs> on the positive news front, Jake, we're one step closer to the Ivy League with Max. I know That's 17-16. and 16.
3: You know, here's the thing. I know from my math, Kevin, that you are one win away from 60% your goal. Look at that. By the way, I can now say that – I didn't want to say it because I, I gave it. I surprised my mom because my mom asked me 150 times if I passed algebra. Oh, how was her reaction? And I did get um, my mom's reaction actually was she said, well, I'm not surprised, which I guess is a compliment. Um, I, I did get somebody who yesterday sent a tweet that said, if Jake Quarry can do it, so can I. I have re-enrolled to go back to school at the University of Southern Indiana where I started 25 years ago. And then I was very flattered by that, and I thought, well, wait a minute. Does that mean, like, if someone of my intellect can do it, anybody can? Boy, yeah, you could look (laughs) at that glass half empty or glass half full there. Either way, I was very flattered and and honored, quite frankly, that somebody would would take that cue. Um, So I was able to give to my mom that, yes, I not only passed algebra for the first time in my life, thank you, thank you, thank you to my tutor, Terry, who walked me through and helped me through a great deal. But and I also, did not just pass it, to I got be a, fair. I got you did more a. than just pass it. I, got a, I ended up with an A in the class, and for the first time in my life, I got a 4.0 for a semester, and I'm not afraid to brag about that. I love it. So I love you. it.
4: As, as you should. That'll probably be the last time I ever say Jake Quarry should brag about something <laughs> in his life. So we can write that down at 737 on this Monday morning. We might have Jake crunch some numbers here coming up. Miles Turner, those contract talks. Jake, Jake's honestly probably been a little bit on an island with this of believing the Pacers and Miles Turner could get something done long term. Uh, that report came out late last week, kind of lost in the Christmas shuffle. So we'll hit on that when we come back again. Tony East going to join us in less than an hour. Matt Taylor, Colts and Chargers coming up tonight, and he's going to join us at 9 o'clock. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Sam Fritz, good Monday morning to you. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Quarry. <laughs> Yeah, there will be a uh, pina colada or two for myself here this week. Kevin Bowen down here in Florida rocking the Comrex action with Jake Query and Sam Fritz back in studio. Mark Dykton going to be uh, back with us tomorrow as he gets uh, down 65 today from his Christmas weekend. Jake, you've been... Um, You've been on this for quite some time and again I, I mentioned this I don't know if you're like solely on an island, but you've you've hinted that the Pacers and Miles Turner, this relationship could extend um, past this season. again, just to refresh everybody on it, Turner is in a contract year. he's never been a free agent. Um, the trade deadline's coming up in February um, and he has been publicly very open it seems like to testing free agency. Um Sham Sharnia from The Athletic had this over the week weekend. Um the Pacers and Miles Turner have opened up contract extension discussions and are exploring a potential new deal. League sources with direct knowledge of the discussions told the athletic. Um I want to start here, Jake, and, and and I'll take that conspiracy hat you've been known to wear and I'll rock it for just a second, okay? When I see reports like this, I ask myself, why? Why is this getting out there on December 23rd, whenever it broke? Um, Turner's representation would seem to benefit not a lot by this. Um, It's not like he's a free agent and you're leaking this info, and now other teams are going to be like, oh, wow, we need to sweeten the pot, and we need to get involved. The Pacers are obviously the only team that can extend him because he's currently on the Pacers roster. So my question is this. Is this the Pacers leaking this info and saying, hey, teams that want to trade for Miles Turner, you got to up your uh, asking price?
3: Um, There's a possibility of that. I do think that there's something to be gained by Turner leaking it as well because then that exact same thing of – it, you know what do they always say Kevin it's easier to have it it's easier to get a job when you currently have one right so if if Turner's camp is putting out there that his re-signing here is a possibility then that means a team that might have their eye on him in free agency knows oh wow wait a minute like it looks like he might be happy in Indy you know maybe maybe we should sweeten the pot to use your term a little bit more um I think – and I think it's a fair question to ask. But I think if you look at the numbers, I really do believe this. I simply was reading tea leaves, and I'm not saying they were accurate. I'm not. But a couple of things here. Number one, you know, Miles Turner's an intriguing player because I think he does a lot of things really well. There's no one area where he's outstanding. Rim protection maybe would be the one. But what he does do in terms of his getting the ball in transition into the right places, and then also being able to trail and shoot from the outside and be a good outside shooter. At the beginning of the year, Kevin Pritchard said one thing to me about Miles Turner. When I asked him about Miles Turner, he said one thing to me. He said, We really need to see Miles shoot the ball well. If you look right now, Miles Turner is averaging twenty nine point four minutes per game. It's actually the fourth time he's had that exact average of minutes in a game. But he is shooting fifty four percent from the floor. That's the high of his, the highest of his career. He is shooting forty one percent from three point range. That's the highest of his career. He is averaging sixteen points per game. That's the highest of his career. He is averaging eight boards per game, that's the highest of his career. I think that the Pacers before they made any sort of a move involving Miles Turner, they wanted a true measuring stick as to how he plays with Halliburton. Halliburton is the straw that is mixing the drink for the Pacers and in terms of what players they want to bring in, it is all going to be based upon how they work with Tyrese Halliburton. And you need a big – I mean, that's the bottom line. The other thing is I think that Miles Turner, what he brings to the table and the style in which he plays, and he's a very good player, but I think that the style in which he plays doesn't necessarily just automatically translate into anywhere. You know, DeMontis Sabonis is a very, very good player, but they sent him to a place in Sacramento that was able to capitalize on what he does and is willing to use – just having a guy on the post that becomes a turnstile to where defense is down and can score inside. There are a lot of teams that would not have done that. A lot of teams would have had Sabonis running or whatever. Else. So you were limited a little bit in where you could send him, and they got Halliburton back, which is fabulous. I just think for Miles Turner, Miles Turner probably knows that while he is a wonderful player, he is a wonderful player who fits as well personnel-wise in Indiana as anywhere else, and that probably is why – he is intrigued by staying here because if you look at his numbers, they are better right now than any point in his career, and that most likely is because of Tyrese Halliburton.
4: A couple other things to note out of the Shams report. Um, Lakers and Raptors among the teams that have shown interest in Turner in recent months. He also threw a note in there at the end that rival teams – got to love rival teams. So what qualifies as the rival teams of the Pacers?
3: The Detroit Pistons? <laughs> teams <or> in, the, <laughs> in the division, I guess, right?
4: Rival teams have expressed interest in Buddy Heald, um during the season. Again, Tony East is going to join us here in about a half hour. I want to get more to the numbers with Tony. Basically, the extension would have a heavy front-loaded uh, aspect to the contract with Turner. Um, I thought I saw Tony mention like four years, $96 million. Um, Jake, you, you painted out several reasons why the Pacers would want to keep Miles Turner. He is an extremely useful player. And let's be honest, do you trust any of those other big men to start 82 games for
3: you? Totally agree.
4: And and, you know, part of that is, again, how consistently you've played them, but Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, Gogo Batadze, I mean, none of them um, are you sitting here right now and saying, that's a 75-game starter on a playoff team. I don't think I view it as harshly as I view running backs in the NFL, Jake, but I worry about playing, paying big men in the NBA. That's fair. I worry about handing Turner that significant of a deal. Again, I can fully acknowledge you can counter me, Jake, and say, who else is playing center for you? And you're 100% right, and I got no comeback for that. Um and again, this team, I think, still needs kind of that big wing defender. So as you look ahead to the draft, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to find the puzzle pieces. You don't want to have to find you know, three or four puzzle pieces. So re-signing Turner would eliminate that. But that would be just a hesitancy that I have of this is a guy that we should acknowledge. And again, you know, some of the tanking probably played into this last year. But he has missed a large chunk of time each of the last two seasons. Um, so that would be a bit concerning. And there was that note last year in the playoffs that, you know, of those final four teams, I think only like one guy over 6'10 was out there on the floor for long stretches late, so that would be where I pause a little bit, but I would say that I've come around to this idea a little bit more. I will believe it when I see it, though. Turner signed on the dotted line. It just seems like he has chatted so much in the offseason about wanting to test free agency, wanting to test free agency, and unless he signs the extension come February, whatever, if you get to the trade deadline, he still hasn't signed it,
3: you have to trade him in my Kevin, opinion. I just – my thing is this. I get and I understand that he probably does want to look elsewhere, but I think what he will find is, you know, Miles Turner is – a bit of a transformer. He can do two different. He can be two different guys at times. But he's not outstanding at either one of those two. But he's very effective at both, and that's his skill set: is that he can he can be effective in two ways. I think he would
4: love that analogy. By the way, isn't he a big Lego
3: think Star he Wars is. guy? I think he is. Yeah, and so but the point being i think in the end he's going to realize that indiana is the place that probably best allows him to be that transformer that doesn't have to go full robot or full what you know whatever the other you know car all the time because he's like i said he's very good at different areas but there's no one thing where it's like that's what you are so indiana allows him a flexibility that i just don't know that he gets elsewhere and i think that's the difference for him
4: Yeah, and that is a really good point. And, again, I think Miles is extremely beneficial to this team. I mean, when he is not protecting the rim, I mean, their defense is one of the worst in the league. Um, And I know I'm probably playing devil's advocate with a lot of this segment here, but, you know, are you going to get to the deadline and not trade Miles or Buddy? And then all of a sudden, you look at it and say – next year 's draft, and that 's really it because this is kind of the last time I think to truly add those future assets because Turner and Buddy healed are not going to have the type of return on investment that you could get right now um, from them, so I do think those are some things to keep in mind um, again Tony East is going to chat more about this with us coming up at eight thirty Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor joining us at 9 o'clock. It's going to be Nick Foles tonight under center for the Colts. I know that gets Colts fans just incredibly excited to head down to Lucas Oil Stadium and check that out. Uh, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin and Corey.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesempta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at Kisimta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
7: So here's my
3: question of the morning. And by the way, good morning to you on a Monday. Merry Christmas to all of you. Hope you had a wonderful holiday and you are getting set for the upcoming new year. If it is Boxing Day that you are celebrating today, that's a Canadian thing. If it is Kwanzaa or I'm not sure if Hanukkah is complete. But whatever you might be celebrating, hope it has been a wonderful and joyous holiday season for you. Colts and Chargers tonight, Monday Night Football at Lucas Oil Stadium. Kevin, we're going to play the part of high school debate class. And if you were to, in high school debate class, be handed a note card from the teacher saying that you need to debate the merits of why each particular quarterback, there are three of which we'd be discussing, should be starting tonight for the Indianapolis Colts. I will be honest with you, I do not see any way, shape, or form where you could make a debate as to why Nick Foles should be starting that is not countered by the other two. And he's the other, the only one that I think has no applicable argument versus the other two. I don't – I have nothing against Nick Foles. I think he's a fine player, don't get me wrong. But you tell me, Kevin Bowen, in your opinion, why you believe Nick Foles is starting the game. He's starting the game because Jeff Saturday wants to try and win.
4: Okay. Um, so I guess to kind of prod a little bit deeper into the high school debate, who are we debating for? Are we Jeff Saturday? Well, that's or are the are we the long-term future of the Colts, you know? I, I, I think that's that's the issue here because, to your point, if the long-term future is the only thing you care about, it should be Sam Ellinger. Um, but Jeff Saturday wants to try and win. I brought it up earlier, Jake. He's got to look at what Steve Wilkes is doing in Carolina and think, oh, boy, that's an interim head coach. That right now, if they went out, they're in the playoffs. They just put up a franchise record of yards. And Jeff Saturday is 1-4. Uh, been laughed off the football field each of the last two weeks on national television. Now you're back on national TV tonight. So I think he got to the point where this passing offense was and has been really an absolute joke all season long. It's dink and dunk central, if that. Uh, teams are absolutely suffocating you on the perimeter. You can't stretch the field whatsoever. I almost thought about this on whenever that Cowboys game was. I don't know. I feel like all the days just bleed together at this point. Is this giving Chris Ballard too much credit, Jake? Did he look at T.Y. Hilton and say, well, with our quarterback this year, we can't throw the ball deep, so might as well not go after T.Y.
3: Fair. Fair, because you know, that's what I mean. And again.
4: That's that's probably giving Bauer a little bit too much credit on that front. But to your question, um, that's why Jeff Saturday wants to try and win now. He wants to try and get this offense a little bit more normal looking, a little bit more functional, like something down the field. I'm not expecting, you know, great success with that. Again, Foles did show a little bit of a bigger arm in training camp in the preseason. I thought he was still erratic at times, um, but I think that is why the Colts are going with this route here for. Potentially the final three games.
3: Okay, here is my issue with that, and this is why. It, now I'm going to be the professor that is grading the debate team of the Indianapolis Colts, or the consistency or the thesis paper they're turning into me, and I'm going to say you get an F because you're not consistent in your argument. Because I have nothing against Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles is a fine quarterback. I think he's a good person. You know, I, I, this has nothing to do with Nick Foles. It has everything to do with what is the message here? What is the intention? What is the direction? If the direction is that Jeff Saturday feels like Nick Foles gives him the best chance to win football games, then why wasn't Nick Foles starting for the Colts when the football game still mattered? They've been eliminated from playoff contention. They have nothing to play for. If you feel that Nick Foles gives you the best chance to win, that's fine. But you owe it to your fans. You owe it to your season ticket holders. You owe it to the rest of your roster to put him out there then when you were still playing games that actually mattered towards getting you to the postseason. I don't think Jeff
4: Saturday knew how bad Matt Ryan was. Possible. And how, And how? I think, hurt. Yeah, again, I, I think it's physical,
3: Jake. Also possible. So then, why then? would you again inconsistency of argument we were told that with Matt Ryan if it was health or mobility that was an issue that Sam Ellinger was the best option to counter that because he was more mobile and the owner said a month and a half ago we are going to put Sam Ellinger in as our starter and so therefore that gave it because that gives us the best chance right now to win So if you're back to what gives us the best chance to win, why do you not go back to Sam Ellinger? Is that because you realized in two games that Sam Ellinger, in fact, doesn't give you the best chance to win? And if that's the case, then do you look back at a decision you made in October in those two games and say that's what cost us our fan base, and our season ticket holders, a chance at the postseason because we screwed around and tinkered with something in the middle of the season that we're not even comfortable going back to now that the season's over.
4: Yeah, I mean, that, that thought process, Jake, was purely Jim Mersey not trusting his head coach. I, it, this might sound crazy, but I think it crossed Jim Mersey's mind to even fire Frank Reich after last season. He hated Carson Wentz so much. I agree with that. And so it got to the point where, screw this, I'm just stepping in. And now he has a guy, at head coach, that he respects and he trusts, and that's why he allowed Jeff Saturday to, (laughs) you know, go for him.
3: But who's the only other player? If you had to – Frank Reich was attached at the hip. I mean, I know that, you know, Chuck Pagano and what did he famously say about Chuck Pagano and Ryan Gregson? They're attached at the hip, right? Frank Reich was attached at the hip for all intent and purposes to what player? Carson Wentz, Wentz, right? Okay. If there's one player now that once you ripped off that Velcro that maybe that, that is linked to Frank Reich, it's who? It's Nick Foles, right? I mean, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl right. with Frank Reich. I mean, Reich. the only reason Foles is
4: here is because Reich was here.
3: Right. Sam Fritz, I know you're very
4: eager to see your, see your uh, man under center tonight in Nick Foles, right?
8: I, I think that Nick Foles just represents making the rest of the season fun he's the Lance Stevenson of the Colts at least you're going to go out there and if the guy does well you're going to have a good time it's what happened with Philadelphia and they won a Super Bowl out of it it's the it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick effect of your starting quarterback got injured now Fitzpatrick's in and you're just having fun with the rest of the season
4: but but having I, I, it, it, I just think there's no Colts fan that 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 truly wants that and, and, and maybe there is but it's a very small small percentage of fans i mean jake i think and jake and sam i think there'll be some fans in the building tonight where you get late in the game on a big third down and you're gonna have like this internal struggle maybe because you're in the environment you'll be cheering for them but you're gonna have this conflict of interest almost of like oh man did i want them to convert there (laughs) like does that hurt the quarterback need coming up here in 2023 it's such a weird time to be and it's it's really foreign i mean tonight will be the first game and correct me if I'm wrong, Jake. Tonight will be the first game played inside of Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts will be officially eliminated from the playoffs since 2017.
3: Yeah, I think that's right.
4: Maybe in 2019 when they were 7-9, maybe they were eliminated. I mean, they played a home point, game. a point
3: underdog. I, I, again, I go back to this. Nick Foles, there are things that Nick Foles does, like Sam said, that that are positives for your team. But they are all things that if they are positives for your team, should the they, they have reached their expiration date. Once they were eliminated from the playoffs, the thought process of going out to try to do everything you can, if Nick Foles gives you a better chance to win football games, then why in the hell wasn't he on the field when winning football games actually
8: did you good? Can, can I make one point looking towards the future of – of the three quarterbacks on the roster right now, in my mind, the only one on this roster next year is Nick Foles.
3: I mean, that is a possibility. That, so, that's a decent point. Although so are you Alligator's giving him
8: his reps in preparation for next season?
3: You probably do need to see if he is a guy that you want to bring back as your starter when before like everybody in the city goes out and has a, a protest against the fact the Colts are going and doing it all over again. with there's Nick Foles, Kevin, you have a look on your face like you cannot possibly believe that Nick Foles will be a starter next year, right? I think better chance Ellinger's here than Foles. Um,
4: I don't think Nick Foles wants to be here. Frank Reich is not here. Um, I think he's playing out his contract. But I guess he is under contract for next year. But I just think he's being a good good pro at this point. Um, you know, Jake. I've said I've said this before. If you're going to be bad, don't be old at quarterback too. The Colts are bad this season, and they're old at quarterback. And now. They've gone to benching their starter, and they're still old at quarterback. Like, (laughs) I mean, that is such an issue for your franchise when you're trying to evaluate things moving forward. I get that, like, Tennessee, this is not ideally how it would play out for them, but they've gone from the older quarterback in Tannehill to when he gets hurt, they go to the youth. Uh, There's several teams you could point to around the league that have done that. It's why the Rams... Have opted for, oh, let's give Baker Mayfield one more shot at it because why do we need to see John Wolford as their Matthew Stafford's backup to be in there? And yet the Colts have this stubbornness about him that that's not the path that they um, want to go down. Um, So I think it'll be very interesting to see what the atmosphere is like inside of that building. I get that there was a feel probably at the start of the year. This is one of the more anticipated home games. You probably have a lot of people, Jake, that got tickets for Christmas. You know, to to this game. Correct. I was listening to an interview earlier in the week and I think you you'd be a good person to throw this off of. The Chargers are a very entertaining football team. Like you watch them and they, they have excitement. They have a lot of players that are pretty unique. Someone was mentioning like that is how the Chargers had to have rebirthed this brand in LA because they're always going to play second fiddle to the Rams. And they need to be entertaining. It has this weird like We've brought this up with Purdue football a lot over the last couple of weeks. And, by the way, we've got a little Purdue football news to get to here in just a few minutes. But Purdue football needs to maintain that kind of entertaining cr- cradle quarterbacks, all those things. Do the Chargers need to be more of an entertaining product if they want to survive in L.A.? Well, I'll tell you what. Because the Rams and
3: Raiders are always going to be first and second, you know, right? I, the, the Chargers are, like, sexy. They're exciting. They're fun to watch. They're, I mean, they're, as you said, they have unique players. Justin Herbert's a really good player. And yet, they were second fiddle to the Rams, and still, I think most people in L.A. see the Chargers because the Chargers were kind of a rival, right? I mean, like the San Diego-L.A. thing, it kind of goes back to Dodgers-Padres. That's a tough sell there, a tough sell.
4: Yeah, Fitch says this, I bought tickets for tonight's game back in September. I, I, I think you got a lot of people in that boat. I mean, when the schedule came out, this was this is a hell of a game on the schedule. There's a reason why you know, ESPN
3: slotted this as the Monday night game. Can you imagine the number of people that bought tickets for a loved one in August or September? Like, oh, my gosh, Jim is going to be so excited because I bought him two tickets to a Monday night football game for the Colts the day after Christmas. It's going to be a continued celebration of the holidays. I can't wait when he opens them. He's going to be doing backflips, and then it's a preseason game right yeah
4: now he's kind of hoping that the backflip he just falls on his head
3: (laughs) (laughs) that seems harsh yeah that was a little (laughs) harsh too he hopes he does the backflip and falls on his head i just again
4: that was me on christmas morning jake when maddie opened up the kid's sweater you didn't know ahead of time i mean no i i Boy, like I told you earlier, I just—I I will, you know—I have such a fear of buying women's clothing. I—I I, I knew it was a risk in the first place, and I just saw it and I looked at it and I said, "I'm buying it." The tag looked normal. I didn't look at it, I didn't decipher it as much as I should have, and I just—I just threw it in to the be bag fair to and you. got
3: out of there as quick as I could. And now I'm regretting it. To be fair to you, the uh, Firefly, which is the Indianapolis Children's Bureau you know we do the sponsor a child program yeah and the child that i sponsored the list had clothing from old navy and so which is wonderful because they've got high quality clothes that are you know good looking for a kid to wear that would you know and not outrageously expensive but I went in and Kevin, I was really intimidated by whether or not I was in the kids or the adult section. I couldn't, oh my gosh. I kind of couldn't tell. And I actually, yeah. to be fair I to needed you, I didn't hear that. Thank you for that. Well, I asked the employee, I'm like, Hey, can you do me a favor? Like, here's what I have. Where exa- What section is this exactly? And went and they, and then I looked at it. I'm like, well, this says medium. That's and they're Like, no, that's a children's medium. I'm like, okay. Now, I, I don't know what said child looks like. If I was This laying- is turning into a
4: nightmare now that Jake Quarry went a little bit more, <laughs> took a little bit more steps further than I did. This is now ruining my Christmas even And more.
3: in addition to that, keep in mind that I was buying for someone that I'd, I've never physically hugged and or laid next to, so I have no barometer of their size. Like, did yeah, you not hold it up? This is a great think- sign of my
4: relationship, is it?
3: <laughs> like, you held it up and you're like, wait a minute. That, that seems a little small, right? Not one of my finer moments, to say the least. Did she try on the sweater?
4: Uh, I I don't believe it was ever tried on. She did hold (laughs) it up, though, and the the receipt was handed to her, and the rest was history on that front. Again, it'll be Colts and Chargers tonight. It is a a four-and-a-half-point spread. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, going to join us at the top of the hour. Uh, Tony East going to join us here in about 15. We'll talk more about the Miles Turner uh, contract extension news and the Pacers in action tonight against the Pelicans Up for either of you. What stood out from this weekend? I I continue to look at Cincinnati and San Francisco, guys, and think, are those
3: the two best teams right now in the NFL? Cincinnati, this would be my concern if you're a Bengals fan. Cincinnati is the hottest team in football heading into the playoffs. No question about it. I mean, assuming they continue on this streak. Which means they're almost due to stub their toe, right? Like, doesn't that always seem to be the case? The, The team that if you look at the nfc the nfc to me is the most fascinating part of the nfl because it just you know i know that philly hold your breath here sam i know that philly has the best record and still at 13 and 2 and that was a, a wildly entertaining game with dallas and i know that dallas you know has like what like one playoff win in 25 years or something but i'm telling you like Dallas, to me, Dallas and San Francisco are the two in the NFC that are just lurking. If you were going to say that the expected team never actually is the one that comes out of the conference. So say, you don't look at
4: Dallas, Jake, and say they were a third and 30 away from losing to a backup quarterback.
3: Uh, that's fair. Um, now, granted, I thought Gardner Minshew played pretty well. He did. Yeah, I think Minshew's a, a decent player. Um, and, and Philly's got some weapons, for sure. <clears throat> Dallas, to me... You know Dallas is banged up too. If Dallas is health, if Dallas can get healthy, then and, and I just I like Dallas's multi-offensive weapons. I I just think that Dallas has ways that they can win games in different areas. Um, San Francisco's intriguing because that defense is really good, no question. That defense is really really good. But then outside of that, there's nothing in the NFC that really jumps out at you. I agree with you that Cincinnati right now seems to be playing the best football in the NFL, and they have weapons and Joe Burrow. Uh, Nick Yeoman said it to me best this weekend. He goes, "Jake, Joe Burrow's that guy, man. He is that guy, and he's I got said, some yeah. swagger to him, doesn't he? He does. And the other one that, and I don't mean to, to keep, you know, at this point, I'm not even beating a dead horse. I'm beating a tub of glue. But Kevin, if I'm like if I'm Sean Payton, and I'm looking at places where I want to coach, and I know that Houston and Indianapolis are two places they're going to be looking." I'm taking a hard look at the fact that, of wondering whether or not Jacksonville is about to get control of the steering wheel of the AFC South and not relinquish it for eight years. Is that, am, I being too, am I too bullish on them by saying that? No, and, and I think even outside of Jacksonville, it's just
4: if you look at the levels of hope. You know, w- w- when the Pacers made that trade last year in February and you saw Tyrese Halliburton start to play for this franchise, it offered hope. Jacksonville has a lot of hope right now. Houston, in a weird way, with the number one overall pick, they've got a little bit of hope there. I sit here and I'm in this awkward little... uh, uh, How much hope do the Colts have? They don't have as much as the other teams in the AFC South. That's for damn sure. And to your point, I mean, Jacksonville certainly, and what they've done here in the second half surge, um, they've got, what, Houston and Tennessee to finish. They're at 7-8. And I believe that Tennessee game is in Jacksonville. And then Tennessee's got Dallas on a short week. Yeah, I mean, boy, and Malik Willis could be starting here each of these final two games.
3: Well, Tennessee also, you would think, is just simply trying to see what they have right uh, at this point. I mean, I know that they're sure. fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, you are seven and eight, so is right. Jacksonville. I mean, some of the <laughs> some of the teams that are in playoff contention. I really, I we've mean, we've got
4: eight clinch so far Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, Minnesota, San Francisco, Philly, Cincy, Baltimore. So we mentioned earlier the Chargers can join that group with a win tonight in Indy.
3: I mean, how about Tampa's going to win their division at 7 and 8 and they look terrible. They look terrible. And if they if they would have lost last night which they should have to Arizona, then carolina suddenly as you said kevin with an interim coach is in the driver's seat in that division which is a bad division i mean it's not that far-fetched to say sam darnold and malik willis would
4: be hosting home playoff games (laughs) in a few weeks Uh uh-huh god bless the afc and nfc south right of course the colts cannot take advantage On that front, before we get to the morning check down this news, I saw out of Purdue, Brady Allen, um, the young quarterback from Gibson Southern High School, saw him win a state title here, put up some insane numbers in high school, he is entering the transfer portal, so... I believe he would have been a candidate to start for Ryan Walters and Graham Harrell. For those that, by the way, that missed the Ryan Walters interview, he was on our show on Thursday. You can check that out on the podcast. But uh, it'll be interesting, of course, to see if Brady Allen ends up in Louisville, right?
3: Boy, I I know, like, my cousin is a huge Purdue guy, and that was all he was worried about. Man, Brady Allen, what's going to happen with Brady Allen? What's going to happen with Brady Allen? Yeah. Big-time concern about that. Um, Tony East going to join us in about
4: 10 minutes to talk Pacers. Let's hit a morning check down.
3: Uh, Pacers, by the way, as Kevin had just mentioned, they are in New Orleans. Tony East is going to join us coming up in just a couple of minutes here. Uh, In New Orleans tonight, taking on the Pelicans. It is believed Zion Williamson may return. He was in the COVID protocols. Pacers back in action at the fieldhouse tomorrow night against Atlanta. But their most recent outing, which admittedly felt like a week and a half ago because of the Christmas holiday, happened in Miami. Tyrese Halliburton, 43 points. A record 10 three-pointers. The last one won it for the Pacers. Rick Carlisle on his young rising stars' performance.
9: Well, great, great players find a way to get that shot off. You know, we had a, we ran a simple action, and you know he made he made a move that created a pocket of
4: space and allowed him to get his feet set. And I was standing right behind it, and it looked good all the way. I mean, it looked like he was going to swish all the way, and then it was a matter of you know having to sit down and and survive you know a, a long shot by uh, by hero, but hey. Jake, I thought Eddie Gill made a really good point after the game. Something Carlisle did there late after the Tyler Hero 3, he opted to inbound the ball full court instead of half court. He thought that that would give Halliburton a better chance to get the ball. Miami couldn't necessarily deny him. Halliburton got it and hit the shot. 43 points, a franchise record, 10 threes, as I said earlier. To me, this is no all-star debate whatsoever. The debate is either starter or... Or reserve in the All-Star game. Tyrese Halliburton is unquestionably an All-Star.
3: Probably should turn my mic on. Elsewhere in the Association, Boston over Milwaukee, 139-118. Jason Tatum continues one of the most impressive runs we've seen in a while in the NBA. He had 41. Jalen Brown with 29. That's three straight losses for the Bucks. Dallas, Philly, Golden State, and Denver also picking up. Christmas night wins, although Denver's might have technically been on the 26th because that game started late, went into overtime. Nuggets have won four straight. Uh, Jokic with 41 points and 15 rebounds in that game. Again,
4: tonight it is Colts and Chargers Monday Night Football. An injury report update. No Kenny Moore. That will be his third game miss. Still has not been ruled out for the season, though. Um, no Kylan Granson either, so a couple ankle injuries. Again, Nick Foles, the starter. Sam Ellinger, the backup for the Chargers. Doesn't look like Joey Bosa will play, but Derwin James, one of their more versatile defenders and a guy the Colts loved coming out of college. Um, it looks like he will be back in the lineup again the Chargers are in the playoffs with a win tonight
3: coming up Tony East going to talk a little bit of Pacers again we will talk plenty about the Colts and the Chargers uh, to round out the show Matt Taylor voice of the Colts going to join us in 35 minutes but about six minutes from now Tony East to talk a little blue and gold it's Kevin and Query good Merry Christmas good morning to you on a Monday here on 93.5 107.5 The Fan
4: Good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Sam Fritz coming at you on this December 26th. We've talked a lot about the Colts and Chargers tonight. That is Monday night football. That's 8-15. 8 o'clock tonight, we have the Pacers and the Pelicans from New Orleans. So that wraps up a three-game road trip. The Pacers did come back um, from Miami uh, and so they they weren't on the road for three straight. But um, we talked about it late last week. This is one of the tougher three-game stretches that you'll find at Boston, at Miami. The Pacers win those in really entertaining fashion. Back-to-back wins there for the first time in over a month. And now they've got the Pelicans tonight. And it sounds like Zion Williamson will play out of health and safety protocol. I, I didn't know that was still a thing, Jake. I honestly did not either. When
3: I saw that he was out, of really? Um,
4: yeah. But it does sound like he's going to give it a go.
3: But he – obviously he's a dynamic player for them and a big part of what they do. But, you know, look, the Pelicans have some good players aside from just Zion Williamson. Um, so it would be a good challenge for Indiana to try to get their third straight before coming back here and then getting four straight at home. Atlanta, Cleveland, the Clippers, and Toronto uh, between tomorrow night and the start of the new year.
4: Clippers is that matinee game, right? The New Year's Eve matinee
3: game? Uh, that is correct. Three o'clock start.
4: Um, to find out more about the Pacers and really, again, one of the more impressive back-to-back wins, uh, certainly of the season. Um, Tony East joins us now, writes for the Pacers for Forbes and SI.com. Do want to get a lot into that Miles Turner contract situation. But, Tony, let's go back to Boston and Miami. Um, You know, what Tyrese Halliburton did at the end of really the start of the Boston game and what he did in that Miami game, that's just another gear and another level that, to be honest with you, I didn't know he had.
10: I don't think uh, anybody knew he had it right. Like, he's only scored more than thirty three, four times his whole career before last week, a couple of those coming with the Kings. Like, that was the first time he has been the dude two games in a row, and not only did he do it, right, scoring a bunch of points. Like, 24 shots he took in Boston. That's the most he's taken in one game in his entire career entering this week. Then he had the huge game, of course, like you just said, In Miami, 43, his career high, 10 is a Pacers record. Like, that's the kind of gear that no one has ever seen from him before. So, coming after, of course, Wally Zerbiak's comments, coming after his one-point game against the Heat, you know, 11 days before that, coming off of, you know, the team blowing a couple games in the clutch, the Pacers, of course, would love to see that gear come up and allow them to get two wins against huge teams. Tony, let's get
3: into what Kevin and I talked about earlier, and that is – the news about Miles Turner, I, I've said all along, I mean, it wasn't overly surprising to me that Indiana, this doesn't mean, obviously, that anything's concrete, but that they have begun exploratory talks with Miles Turner about an extension. Um, where do you, th- excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. Where do you think things stand on that, and were you surprised by that report?
10: Not really, because of how the season has gone. Um, they're, they're uniquely positioned, right? It's very rare that, a team with a really good veteran under contract like this also has a lot of cap space to do what the the reporting suggests, which is this renegotiation extension type of thing where they can literally just up his salary this season. Like that is extremely unique and rare in the NBA. I think the last player it happened to was Robert Covington with the Sixers over a half decade ago. Like it almost never happens, and so the fact that the Pacers are in a position where that is possible is already, uh, you know, kind of a, Oh, maybe this is something they should explore. And it comes at the same time that, you know, Turner in in November specifically played the best basketball. of His career has been, you know, less consistent this month, but still pretty good. And it fits very well with their two, you know, core players, Benedict Mather and Tyrese Halbert, both 22 or younger and Turner fits well with them on the floor. He's shown that he could be, you know, an interior big when they need him to be. That's been a part of his Renaissance. Like, a lot of the boxes he would have had to check before the season for the Pacers to say, yeah, you know, it makes sense for us to keep him as our center of the future. He has checked them and it also helps that they're 17 and 16. It's not like they're extending a team, him on a team that isn't going anywhere this year or is floundering. Like they look like a capable, competent basketball team. So all the factors kind of overlap perfectly for this sort of to happen. And, and he's played well, and the team has played well, the, Finances make sense. So it's not surprising to me, given all of that happening at the same time. You know, in in November, I talked about this possibility just because he was playing so well. It felt like something that needed to be discussed. And they're uniquely positioned as literally them and the Spurs would be the only teams in the league that this is even allowed for their salary cap situation. The Spurs are bad. Like, it's very rare that a good team has enough space to do something like this. And that's why it you know, always made sense that it would be an option, even though that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen.
4: Okay, let's get a little deeper into that, Tony. And, again, Tony East joins us here, Forbes.com, SI.com. You know, basically, would this be a heavily front-loaded extension? Um, I guess that's kind of part one. Part two, what would be the reason for the Turner camp wanting to sign this extension?
10: Yeah, it can be heavily front-loaded, right? The way it works is effectively – the Pacers just give Miles some of the money out of their cap space this season it just ups his salary and in exchange right they wouldn't just give him more money this year but for nothing in return they would add years onto the future part of his contract and that can be you know close to how much he gets in a raise this year that could be it could drop as much as 40% from whatever his salary becomes this year it's not worth getting too nitty gritty but you know the the the, the report in the athletic lays out that they could Raise his salary as high as thirty seven million this season, right, which sounds crazy, but remember it's it's you know it's not like they're going to use that money on anything else. then they could drop it down to twenty two million next year, right drop it by forty percent, and that's what you know about what his market value would be in free agency, for example, and then the raises would only be like one point one million per year if they dropped it that far it's, it's, uh, I'm getting too into the weeds here, but you know it could end up being something where it's like a four year extension with one hundred and fifteen million in new money which is a little rosy, but then they get to extend him in a way, and the reason this makes sense is they are now giving him more money than they could on a veteran extension and more money than other teams maybe could. Well, also, that that's how it makes sense for Turner, right? If you go back to last free agency or last offseason, right, that someone asked him before free agency, hey, do you have any advice for Jalen Smith to choose free agency? And he said, get your money, young man. You know, like that that's a way some NBA players think. it. if Miles Turner thinks he can get – the most money with the Pacers, and it's a situation he already likes, that's where this makes sense for him, whereas any other type of extension with another team, it w- you know he could get more money for agency. That wouldn't make sense for him. So this makes sense for him from finan- financially, especially if he would, is wanting to stay with the Pacers, and it makes sense for the Pacers because it, they're uniquely positioned to be able to do something like this.
3: Tony, do you believe that Miles Turner's skill set and what he brings to the table... Is equally coveted or needed with other franchises like it has been catered towards in Indiana.
10: Uh, sort of the defensive side, absolutely right. Like the defensive bigs are so valuable in the NBA these days. Like if you can't shoot or defend as a big in the NBA, you're basically worth worthless to a lot of teams these days, right? You have to be able to do something well. That's why Rudy Gobert just went for what felt like the moon, even though he, you know, he's not that talented of an offensive player, right? That's why shooting bings get minutes regardless of what situation they're in. But that said, you know, the rebounding hasn't always been there. Turner has never played in a second round playoff game. Like there's a lot of question marks about what that can be for, you know, other teams, contending teams, depending on the, the situation for the rest of the roster. But there's a lot of context missing from what the Pacers have been during his career So I would say, yeah, I think a lot of teams do value him, right? There's a reason that there's always interest in him and how he can fit other teams, and the fact that he can shoot as a big man and is one of the best shooting bigs in the league is certainly very valuable for a lot of teams. And the defense is very valuable as well. But there's a lot of also question marks given. Again, you know, the rebounding has never really been consistent, right? That's what's been sinking the Pacers in the clutch in a lot of recent games, and the fact that he's not played a second round playoff game in his career, like all that stuff, has to matter to other teams.
4: Again, it's at T-East NBA on Twitter. Tony East is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We're chatting about uh, the report from The Athletic over the weekend of contract negotiations opening up between Miles Turner and the Pacers. Again, the trade deadline not till uh, I guess what, about six weeks away, kind of mid-February on that front. Um, Tony, I don't feel it to the degree I feel about paying running backs in the NFL – But paying big guys in the NBA makes me a little nervous. Um, Should I be nervous on that front?
10: Yeah, uh, yes and no. (laughs) You know, it it can get you really tied up if they're not the right center for your team. And um, the the reason that that gets tossed out so much is, like, it feels like centers get a lot of, like, can be replaceable at times, right? Uh, There's a lot of them out there, and teams just continue to find a way to get Production from the big man position. Like, if you can rebound and make hustle plays, you can give a team good minutes off the bench. You know, like, and the, the only bigs that get the max money these days, it feels like, are your Jokic's, your Go your Embiid's, right? Your playoff series changing type of bigs. There's not a lot of these middle class kind of NBA bigs that make in that 20 million range. But, you know, I, I think that around the league, like, the Knicks just paid Mitchell Robinson 16 million per year this offseason. That's worked out. Really well for them. He's been huge for them defensively. He was really good for them, especially if you watched them yesterday against the Sixers on Christmas in the first half. Uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic got 18 million per year with with the Blazers. They've been on a surprising start because he's good. Been good on the interior. You know, it's it's when you get to, to overpaying like a bench big. I think is where the, the issue becomes in the NBA. Like you, there's a million ways to get quality bench big depth in the NBA. There's veterans out there who. You know, aren't even on a team right now, that makes it scary. But I think if you provide the right fit and skill set for a team, those guys are just as valuable as any position, quite frankly.
4: Tony, how much
10: of this – and I I guess I'll throw my answer at you
4: before I ask you the question. I, I don't think it's this much, but how much of this news or the intrigue about doing something long-term with Turner is because they don't feel like Isaiah Jackson slash Jalen Smith slash Gogo Batadze – can be a 75 game, a night starter at the five position.
10: That certainly has to be something they consider, right? Like, they just moved Jalen Smith to the second unit five. Isaiah Jackson's not playing. they go with Todd Day's not playing. Like, these are guys they've drafted in the last four years, top 21 picks for you know all those guys, and they're not even in the rotation right now. It makes a sense, given what the team looks like, but you know, if they had belief these guys could start – next year maybe smith could right he's done well he's better at the five than the four certainly and i think that's part of why he got moved to the bench but if they had more faith in him i think there'd be more opportunities than there have but yeah i think that certainly is a factor that there are question marks for them at the five position they have too many now and they can't even play all of them on a given night right so that that certainly is a factor and turner's still young enough that you could consider him part of their timeline now that they're a little better right if they were still kind of floundering at the expectations people had for them before the season right if they had 10 11 wins right now for example it would not make as much sense to hold on to an eight-year veteran but because they're they're over 500 right they they kind of need like a capable big if they want to continue to be that level of team and doesn't look like they have it outside of turn around their team so the easiest way to, to get that guy is to keep the one you already have how is buddy healed league-wide yeah, that was that, quietly buried in that, you know, Miles Turner report, last paragraph, Sean Stronti wrote that, you know, rival teams are expressing interest in Buddy Hill. And uh, I think he has come to Indiana and sort of shown that, you know, that there was the you know, not the best fit between him and Sacramento, but in other situations with other franchises, he can be more of a positive presence both on and off the court, right? Like, of course, his relationship with Halliburton being a positive is why, part of what makes him so valuable in indiana but he's been good here like he's been better on the glass he's passed the ball better he's been more willing to you know take it to the cup than he was with the Kings. obviously he's been top four in three pointers made five seasons in a row that's a crazy stat like that is a very good shooter in a league where shooting is super valuable like that alone is going to make you interesting to a lot of contending teams and quite frankly given his skill set he would be better on a contender than you know, a 500 team, right? Like all these shooters that go to, you know, like thinking about Malcolm Brogdon, he was playing off of Giannis when the Bucks were contending. He was a knockdown shooter, right? And that that percentage dropped in Indiana where he didn't have as much gravity around him, right? With Buddy Hill, I think if he's on a contending team with another superstar with all taking all this defensive attention, right? He's going to make 40 to 45% of his threes. Like that's so valuable. He's going to be so efficient that allows him to, make up for even more of his defensive issues so he i think he's pretty valuable to especially to contending teams especially now that it's kind of you know moved past some of the attitude rep issues that he had with the kings and he's been you know nothing but a positive presence at least for all accounts uh, here in indy
5: halliburton loves him
10: you know, calls him the big brother.
4: So their relationship has grown a lot since you know, those early days in Sacramento. Again, Tony, Tony East is with us here. Um, covers the Pacers for Forbes, SI, uh, Locked On Pacers. Always a great listen with Tony. Um, I, I do want to go back to Halliburton for just just a second, but one more kind of on the Turner Heald trade front. Um, would it be too short-sighted, too narrow-focused for the Pacers to look at their situation right now and say, oh no, this is great, we're overachieving, we're exceeding expectations, we're going to keep Turner and Heald, would that lose sight of what was the true goal entering this season and a missed opportunity in giving future assets outside of the three first-round picks, too very late, by the way, uh, that are coming in next year's draft?
10: I think so. You know, it's not, I don't think being five, a 500 team should be enough to really influence your thinking entering a season. I think I understand if they wanted to you know, make trades that push their timeline forward a little bit now. But I don't think that they should be a team that is thinking about really short-term kind of stuff just because they are 17 and 16 at Christmas, for example. And I'd understand keeping Hill this year. They don't have to trade in. His contract doesn't expire. He helps the team, right? That, that's fine. They have more time to decide on that. But Turner specifically, if there's no extension and no trade, I think that would just be a massive mistake. Like, they have to figure out what their options are on both fronts. And it, even with this new tool that they have or that has come out, they're negotiating at least or whatever – the, the perfect phrasing is, with him and the extension, sure, sure, they can negotiate and be open to it all they want. If they can't agree to something, like I still feel like they have to trade him. He's on an expiring deal. It's just what makes the most sense. They can't lose him for nothing. Turner said that himself on that podcast he did with ESPN. Like, all of this stuff matters a lot to the team, and, and the Pacers said this summer, look, we have this new long-term approach to team building. We're not thinking year-to-year anymore. You know, do it, Saying that and then entering the era and not trading Turner would be very surprising to me, and I feel like or not 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 just trading him, but or extending him, you know, thinking long term. I still feel like that's what's the best for the team, given how their start has gone.
4: Last one for me, Tony. I, I thought you had a great um, tweet. I forget if it was Miami or Boston game that Tyrese Halliburton does a wonderful job of manipulating defenders with his eyes. I know that sounds a bit nerdy, and I say that as a compliment, <laughs> by the way but it's almost kind of like a quarterback looking off a safety. Like Halliburton gets up in the air and for 98% of basketball players, that's like the biggest no-no, but his basketball IQ is so through the roof that he makes the right play time, time you know, 99.9% of the the time there. I I thought that was a great comment. Halliburton is just, he's really such a savant out there and how he handles it and knows where he wants to go with the basketball.
10: Yeah, the play that made me Made me put that out there. That was in the Boston game. They had this, this transition play where he's running up the floor and he jumps in the air and he's staring at Buddy Heald in the corner. And Jalen Brown is guarding Andrew Nembard under the basket. And Jalen Brown looks and sees he's looking at Buddy Heald and just runs out to the corner to defend Buddy Heald. And Halliburton in the air, not even looking at Jalen Brown, just throws the ball under to a now wide open Andrew Nembard for a layup. But it's like you don't see that in the NBA that much. And, and I, I, the quarterback was what I was actually thinking about. Like you hear about all the time about, you know, looking off the safety and making him take a step away or whatever. What, you know you know my football uh, relationship, Kevin. But, uh, you know, it's so impressive to see him do that sort of stuff. And, and he did it a lot this week. Like he's done it with the Pacers a few times this season, but he did it a bunch against Boston to get guys away. He did it against the Heat a few times. To manipulate the defense, like that's really hard to do because you still have to know where your teammates are. And sometimes it looks like it's just flashy, and you know, maybe maybe it is on occasion. I think he had one uh, in, in their final home game uh, against the Knicks that was a little bit just for the flashiness. But when, when it works like it does, where it's actually making defenders defend you differently, I think that's when it's extra valuable and just kind of shows his ability to throw his teammates open and be that kind of player.
3: At T East NBA on Twitter, you can read. Tony, East work involving the Pacers, SI Pacers, Forbes Sports, Locked On Pacers, a number of different areas. And when you talk about Forbes, you're talking about money. And Tony, uh, Kevin is tempted to go ahead and cash in his winnings from placing the over-under at 30 wins for the Pacers on the season. He is almost 60% of the way there. He, you feel confident, Tony, right, that at this point he gets to 30?
10: Yeah, yeah. The over under in, in a lot of sports books was like 24 and a half, I think 30. Uh, you're good to go, especially if they're going to remain 500 for a while. Man,
3: come on. Pretty impressive. Jeez, I know. man. Well, I'm telling you're you, just throwing that out there on December 26th. But here's the thing, Kev. They get New Orleans tonight. Let's say they don't get that. But then Atlanta, Cleveland, Clippers, Toronto, they should get three or four at home, right? Surely. Stop. Tony, stop. Merry Christmas, man. Appreciate it.
10: Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tony. Those three I was trying to look. I'm
3: trying on. to look
4: up right now, what the new over/under win total would be. I'll bet it's got to be
3: thirty-eight, high
4: thirties. Yeah, thirty-eight, forty. I mean, now, Sam, Sam Fritz, what's this picture you got of me on the chair?
8: Uh, well, the you know, I spilled a, a little bit of water on the seat. I decided to make sure that it didn't create no safety hazard, <laughs> make sure everybody was covered. You know, you know, we could actually. I could just put my laptop in the screen in
3: your seat, Kevin, and people will see you. Yeah, right? that, yeah, that is a great point. See I if that certainly... works. Hang on just a second. All right, Hang I on. thought
8: the joke was hilarious. So it I, I really good. wanted Actually,
3: to... the, the little slippery when wet thing is not bad.
8: I wanted to this... even take it so far as to say that's why Kevin had to be in Florida. I mean, it was a whole deal. I had a whole tight five minutes of comedy prepared.
3: I, I, I,
4: this is some impressive engineering by Jake if he makes this work here. This is just brilliant radio, by now, the way. if this works the way For those I think that don't know, does. by the way, I am down in Florida uh, with my in-laws here. For the week, it'll be.
8: You'll have to angle my, the camera down.
4: Myself and Jake tomorrow, and then Mark Dykton and Jake Wednesday, Thursday, Friday.
3: This is great is this radio, working? I realize. What we're trying to do for the YouTube stream is show. So we have, I have Kevin on. Um, there we go. Can you see, can you see yourself now? oh yeah the the marvels of technology look at this it took an hour and 49 minutes for us to figure this out but basically kevin is now sitting exactly in his seat and i can see him no offense to sam fritz's caution slippery when wet sign which was decent actually the little guy on there but there you are
4: now are you fully charged here with the laptop i'm a little nervous that this could just you know
3: crap out of the nine o'clock hour i'm plugged in assuming that this outlet actually works we don't this. we don't know for certain that, that that worked you know what i mean 4-0 student jQuery
4: on display <laughs> right here with all of us uh, i didn't even now, own a the,
3: laptop until i got this job
4: i guess the only issue now is i can't really see you but we'll figure out our hand signals coming up with matt taylor oh, and and well i can just kind of see in the distance about, you're a little what blurry about can you see here yeah okay. a, yeah a little bit well well we'll figure what about it out on the youtube
3: uh, stream can you see me in the youtube stream or is that is that delayed I I think it's on a slight delay
4: just based off me waving to the YouTube audience out there. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in on this Monday morning. Uh, Matt Taylor, Voice of the Colts, joins us in 10.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta.
3: Okay, we got just about a minute here before Matt Taylor joins us after the break. So, Kevin, I will ask you this. Kevin Bowen, who is in Florida, Merry Christmas to everybody on a Monday. Best Christmas gift that you got, Kevin, was what? Ooh, I got a new golf bag, Jake. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. Maddie, terrific,
4: terrific on that. Um, Were you in need of a new golf bag? That's a good question. Probably probably not, but, I mean, it is one that I I think slash hope it'll last me for quite a while. Um, So what happens to the old golf bag? Well, probably a little donate action there um, from an old golf
3: bag. So, yeah, how about yourself? Uh, I got a – you know, I'm a watch collector. And when I was a kid, Swatch watches – What's that?
4: One-way ticket to Switzerland (laughs) with those.
3: (laughs) When I was a kid, Swatch was uh, all the rage when I was in middle school. Swatch actually has a collaboration with Omega – and my favorite watch that I have of my watches is probably my Omega Seamaster. And Swatch did a collaboration with Omega, paying homage to the Seamaster, and Shannon got me that, which is cool. Um, I did also you got ask a, for that, or was that I, Shannon I just knowing? No, I asked for it. Um, I also got a uh, T-shirt of Billy Beer, which I'm a fan of. I don't oh. think they make Billy Beer anymore, but a Billy Beer T-shirt was kind of cool, kind of fun. Nice. And, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm I'm super psyched about this. I got gift certificates to the Stretch Lab, which is a place that when you're old like me just does nothing but stretches you. I have, like, the tightest hamstrings and muscles I, known to man. I have heard about this. Did
4: you ever do the – was it the presidential fitness test that oh, we yeah. did back in – I never oh. passed it, but yeah gosh every time they'd be like all right kevin bowen time to show your flexibility i'd be like in the negative three percentile
3: (laughs) yeah yeah, that's me i can't literally can you bring a friend to that can i i mean not to say like let's go stretching together but i wouldn't (laughs) mind doing that Uh, well i i think you'll know like when i hopefully the next day i'll come in here i'll be like limber larry you know what i mean gosh you're gonna be gumby in studio with us (laughs) lord knows i do plenty of stretching from time to time on this. I was trajectory. gonna say,
4: usually you're you know, you got the
3: Achilles raised and you know, the good feed stores doing uh-huh. this and doing that. I and I managed to stretch from serial killer stories into who's leading the AFC West, right? <laughs> do the best I can. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, gonna join us. Colts in action tonight, taking on the Chargers, Monday Night Football. Matt Taylor joins us next.
7: All right, tonight it is Monday
4: Night Football, 8:15 inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Again, the Chargers favored by four and a half. They win and they are in. They got a lot of help this weekend. Uh, the Colts, they almost got. Boy, I don't know if anybody stayed up late. I was on the flight down here watching Cardinals and Bronk or uh, Cardinals and Bucks last night. If the Cardinals would have held on and won that game, the Colts would have been up to fourth in the draft position. Um, but Tom Brady, a little magic late, so fifth in the draft order for the Colts heading into tonight and to talk more about the matchup Matt Taylor the voice of the Colts joins us mate i hope uh, you and the fam had a great christmas
0: we did we did indeed it was uh it was a great day it was a it was a very fun day um just just worn out watching the kids play with all their new stuff man it was a, it was a really really great day where where are you at are you not in well, town
4: I, I am down. Uh, my in laws, we we come down to uh, Marco Island. Are you familiar? You, you're a, you're you're a Florida guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe, yeah. We
0: find Fort Myers, just about an hour south of there. Oh, beautiful! That's awesome. What's uh? It's got to be better than here in terms of temperature right now. I'm I'm assuming <laughs> as much,
4: anyway. It is a, again. You will hear no complaints because I know full well what I just <laughs> left. It is a balmy 57 for a high today ah. down here, but nonetheless, well, I know it's going to warm up later in the what was the big present hit in the taylor household this
0: christmas um well from for my daughter she got you know the um she got the the dolls that she wanted um you know for for those that are privy to this i don't expect you guys to know it i didn't know it until about you know until christmas time started but the american girl oh that's
3: huge that's
0: huge huge. so you know we we uh, we missed a mortgage payment, uh, you know, trying to trying to afford that <laughs> under the tree this year. So that that was the big thing, and so, but it was worth it. Watching her eyes lit up, and um, and she, you know, she hasn't put it down since. So it's it's been pretty good.
3: You know, Santa Claus helps in those areas too, Matt. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Just so you know, I know, yeah. I know. I I need, I need the assist from the big guy next year. Yeah, yeah
3: it's good. Thank say. you, Jake, for clarifying that. Yeah, I want to make sure that people knew that. Yeah. Hey, uh, Matt. I'm really intrigued, and I want to—I want you to be the voice of reason for me here, which Santa can help you with that too, I guess. But I have nothing against Nick Foles. I think he's been a fine player in the NFL, seemingly a, just a really good person. I don't think you know, and a leader. But to me, it's very—I'm intrigued by this move to go to Nick Foles because. If you think Nick Foles gives you a better chance to win, then why didn't you make that move when the game's still counted? And if you feel like now you're in a position where you're just simply needing to see what guys can do since the games don't count, essentially, since they're out of the playoff contention, then wouldn't they be better off going back to what they told us was the better thing to do and going to Sam Ellinger? Sell me on Nick Foles.
0: Yeah, I, I think I don't really think it's a matter of I think at least mindset from Jeff Saturday and the coaching staff. I don't think it's a mindset of the games matter they 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 don't matter or you know you're mathematically alive or you're not mathematically alive. I think I think after that Vikings game, listen, any any time you give up a thirty-three point lead and it's the the, the biggest you know the most historical uh, comeback in NFL history against you, and you know the offense is. Continuing to be inefficient. You know, you're not scoring in the red zone. You're one of the worst red zone teams in the NFL on offense. You know, you're one for four. Who would have thought that, you know, up 33 points, you'd be looking back on the first half and saying, man, if they only did this or could have, would have, should have. But, I mean, the Colts could have been up 50 to nothing in that first half had they been better inside the red zone because they had to kick three field goals at or inside the Viking 10 yard line in that first half. So, it's just sort of, I think you know what the book is offensively with that unit. Unfortunately, with Matt Ryan as the quarterback, you've had a high amount of turnovers. You've had a bunch of missed opportunities. You know, you're not pushing the ball down the field. So I think Jeff Saturday was pretty candid in saying, you know, we're just looking for a spark. We're looking, for, we're looking to change anything at our disposal. And right now they're turning to Nick Foles to hopefully generate some more vertical passing game. And, and take away teams from playing them so close to the line of scrimmage, try to be better inside the red zone. And, again, whether the games matter or not, you know, in terms of the math and playoff implications, they're just going to make a change because what they've seen so far these last, you know, really since Jeff Saturday's been here, you know, they're one and four since since he took over. But in, in losing streak, um, they're just not playing with a high degree of efficiency on offense. So they're just trying to tweak anything they can at, at their disposal. And that's why they're turning to to, uh, Nick Foles in this juncture.
4: Matt, well, one more on the Foles
0: front from me. You know, obviously
4: arm strength and velocity—that's been well documented. Frankly, I just think physically. Uh, all the hits Matt Ryan's taken this season took its toll, and he just doesn't have the same velocity that he had back in September. But I'm curious, too, like, Foles is a 10 year vet. Foles has 60 some starts in the NFL. What can he do for you mentally? I mean, he's the one that's been in this offense. You know, th- th- this is not a new offense to him. Um, I, I, there's no way this doesn't sound as a criticism of. Matt Ryan, so I'll just say it. I just didn't feel like Ryan gave you the Phillip Rivers 15-year vet, 37-year-old chess match guy at the line of scrimmage that you were thinking you were getting, um, that you needed right. to get. The free rushers, those sorts of things. Not, not, not taking advantage of that. I'm curious if tonight you see Foles help you out in that area at all.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. And, and I'll be candid in, in saying that only a handful of times this year did I see the Colts offense operate aesthetically like I thought it was going to at the beginning of the season or when the Colts signed Matt Ryan in terms yeah, of quick quick rhythm short passing game you know move the sticks get into short down and distances you know be in favorable third downs um and, and not take a lot of sacks cuz Philip Rivers didn't take a lot of sacks because he got he got rid of the ball so quickly um you know and Nick Foles talked about that this week this this season has been a complete 180 for him in terms of how he thought it was going to go or you know what he was sold on. He was sold on to be the backup quarterback with Frank Reich, and he was going to be here for multiple years, all of those things. Well, you know Marcus Brady's not here anymore. Frank's not here anymore. The offense certainly doesn't look like we thought it was going to um, at the beginning of the season, and you're right. He has played in this system, I meaning won a Super Bowl with this system. So I don't think this week is going to be all too – stressful for him in terms of the the mental side of the game coming in and and getting up to speed with everything that's going to be thrown on his plate this week and I asked Jeff Saturday about it you know it's the first time really that he's thrown to the first team skill players on offense because he was the number two guy all of training camp and then since the regular season started he's been the scout team quarterback and he sort of downplayed that And, and I do agree with him it's you know listen it's You can get up to speed real quick with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods and those guys. I mean, you know, if if you know the offense like the back of your hand, like Nick Foles does, you know, you can get up to speed real quick with the Jimmys and Joes around you. So from that standpoint, I don't think it's going to be a problem. But I will be really interested tonight to see if the Colts offense does look a little bit more like the 2020 version of this team. Because that's seemingly, and in terms of recent past, that that's when they were at their best with Philip Rivers getting rid of the ball quickly, you know, making quick decisions, diagnosing things very, uh, very rapidly, and and letting playmakers make plays. So we'll see how that translates tonight with Nick Foles getting his opportunity.
3: So Nick Foles is obviously Matt Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, is our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Colts Chargers tonight, Lucas Oil Stadium, Monday Night Football. Uh, Nick Foles is obviously the big storyline in terms of players that are making a, a change or getting more reps. Is there anybody that kind of flew under that radar that all of a sudden you looked at the depth chart or you looked at the week in practice and said, you know what, this guy's going to get his number called perhaps more than what we have seen, and I'm intrigued by that. Anybody jump out in that category?
0: Yeah, I think it's Jelani Woods because, I mean – the obvious reason is because Kylan Grant is not going to play, um, so you're you know your number one is going to be Mo Ali Cox still in the depth chart anyways, but you know Jelani Woods just hasn't had a high degree of snap count, um, and I think that he needs to. I, I really do. I think that he needs to, and I know that that Rick agrees with me. Rick Venturi, I think Alec Pierce, and I think Jelani Woods they not only have to play big for their development, but if the Colts want to win down the stretch, and you could say that's the last couple of games, they needed to be more involved, especially in the vertical passing game. And obviously, you know, I don't want to double back on, on what I said, but, you know, that, that just didn't happen in the second half against the Vikings. And you kind of wondered, you know, where those two guys were. I'm sure they were part of the game plan, but they just weren't able to execute getting those guys big chunk plays. So I, I think Jelani Woods, Obviously, from a you know role standpoint, tonight's going to play more, but I would love to see him get you know four or five catches for 60, 70 yards because I think it's instrumental for those guys to come up big or have that big of a production in order for the Colts to have a chance to win in these final three weeks and also get them some momentum and get them feeling good going into the offseason as they continue to develop towards their sophomore years. But I think Jelani Woods has a chance to play really big tonight and show that, He's really kind of turned the corner from a guy that was feeling his way through through training camp and kind of finding his role through the first half of the season to now just being a stud with his versatility and his athleticism within this Colts offense down the stretch.
4: Yeah, and honestly, if there's personnel that Nick Foles has actually worked with, at least in training camp, that's right. Woods and Pierce would fall into that group. They were more of the second teamers, whereas That's you know Michael right. Pittman and Paris Campbell, Mo Ali Cox, more of the first teamers. Again, voice of the Colts Matt Taylor, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick Venturi himself and Lara Overton, they've got you at eight fifteen tonight. May this this a dumb question, so I apologize for asking it. Um, and the fact that the week started with the Colts still mathematically alive in the playoff hunt, it's not like they game plan for the week you know thinking they were officially eliminated but do you think either tonight or at any point in the final two weeks of the season you see any approach to playing more young guys it's a 53-man roster it's not like you can totally go that path but do you think now that the elimination has happened we see any of that granted Jeff Saturday is you know on a very very short 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 term deal so uh, again probably a dumb question but I thought I'd throw it out there no,
0: I mean I listen I think it's it's worth being brought up and you know once once things kind of started to spiral out of control um you know a couple weeks ago you know that's 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 things that we've brought up as well you know are there things to be looked at and experimented with and you know the Pearson Woods conversation got brought up um I just don't know at this point maybe I'm missing something I'm I'm really trying to have the roster in front of me but I just don't know what else you can do at this point? I mean, outside of you know playing a guy like you know Byron Cowart more, or you know you you, you play um, you know Rodney Thomas exclusively at safety over Rodney McLeod, just things like that. Just just going for the young guy over the the veteran guys just because. Uh, I, I, outside of doing that, I just don't know what else you can do um, with this with this team. And that said, and I know I know people are going to roll their eyes at this, and I know people are continuously, you know, moving towards the draft and draft order and, and thinking about the spring, and I totally get it. But the Colts are still trying to win, and Jeff Saturday's still trying to prove that he is worthy of this job and, and wants to come back. And also, too, I mean, you know, I, I spoke with Julian Blackman the other day, and this is the, these last three games are just opportunities. They're opportunities to continue to go out and play. And, and to get better and to also prove that you belong on this team for next year and that you belong on the field, you know, for 31 other teams. You know, your tape is your resume, and uh, I think that's the opportunity that these guys are looking at, you know, these last three games is let's just go continue to play, let's continue to get better, and let's prove to, you know, the, the powers that be in the off season if there's a coaching change or whatever, but let's prove to the next staff, if you will, in the spring that, you know, I belong here, and then I belong on a on a 2023 team that's going to you know, retool, rebuild, and go after it next year. Certainly in a different approach. Um, so I just don't know what else you can do within this roster. Jeff Saturday kind of talked about that this week as well. I mean, with Nick Foles in mind, you can't change the playbook. There's just not a lot a lot of time to really make major changes. So I just don't know what else you can do personnel-wise these last three games to, to really shake things up, other than just playing the young guys for the sake of young guys playing so that they get more experience and more development going forward. Has, Matt, in your
3: opinion or your observation, you know, Jeff Saturday when he was hired as the interim coach, and I think the Colts were banking on this a little bit, Jeff Saturday has some cachet. The players know him because he had played with Peyton Manning and because he's on ESPN. Probably the latter would be the reason that most of them know him the best. Um, And the fans like him because, obviously, who doesn't like Jeff Saturday? But at some point, you've got to transition from your credibility being just about what you've done away from coaching into then convincing guys, look, I'm the coach here, and I'm going to make decisions, and I'm going to do things – and maybe you can even be overcompensatory in that regard. Have you seen any sort of a transformation of Jeff Saturday?
0: Yeah, I have. I mean, he he really is—he's a man of his word in terms of holding guys accountable. Um, he he really doesn't care that he's only the interim coach. Um, he's going to do this like he is the head guy, and it was just given a you know a five-year contract or whatever the case. I mean, he's he's doing it his way. Um, he's being true to himself and his own character. And and I think guys have have come in and respect that. It's it's really a unique dynamic because obviously anytime you take over as the interim coach, things didn't go well or things are not going well. And you can't just come in, snap your fingers, and change everything overnight and, and rebuild a culture and rebrand the identity of the locker room. But I think he's slowly I think he's done that and I think guys have really respected Jeff um because they know that he took over this situation in a very unique uh, way, and I, I think over time, despite the record being what it is, guys are really kind of buying into Jeff and and responding well to him. Um, and he he is a player's coach because he's a he you know he's a former player, so he understands the grind and all of the wear and tear these guys go through. But he's also a guy that's not just going to be a pushover and is not just going to say, "Well, I'm here for eight weeks and." You know, it was fun while it lasted. Now he's running this thing like as, as if he was the guy, you know, for 2023 and beyond, even though he's going to have to interview for it in the off season like everybody else. Um, so I, I really do think that the locker room has bought into Jeff and his respect to him. But unfortunately, you know, this season has just been, you know, it is what it is. And I hate saying that, but it's just been, you know, one of those really disappointing years where nothing's gone right. And even a 33-point lead the other day is not safe. And so, you know, when you have a season like that, um, everything gets looked at, you know, externally and says, well, this is not working or that needs to change. Um, I just think that the guys have have really kind of bought into Jeff, and you know, I don't I don't know what to, to what degree that's changed in terms of preparation or, um, you know, getting guys ready for games, things like that. But I do know that that Jeff is not just going through the motions. And is letting things slide, even though they're out of the playoff picture. He's really holding guys accountable, and he's he's fun-loving Jeff, and he's he's um, you know charismatic Jeff. I think to the media, but I think behind the scenes, he's definitely holding guys accountable, and he's not being their best friend because that's just what Jeff Saturday does.
4: Fresh off an American Girl dollar two purchase, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us here. <laughs> on the Payless Liquors hotline. Mayte, the Chargers would be on my short list of teams that I really, really enjoy watching. I think they're a very entertaining bunch. I was saying to Jake earlier, they've got a lot of unique pieces. Herbert, very unique at quarterback. Austin Eckler, very unique at running back. Derwin James on defense, now that he's back in the lineup, versatile. Mm -hmm. Lines up all, all over the place. And Brandon Staley, he will go for it on fourth down all over the field. So, um, I get it. There are Colts fans that are a bit torn right now. If nothing else, you're going to see a team that is, um, again, I think one of the more um, kind of outliers if there's such a thing in the NFL. Again, playing for a playoff berth tonight. Uh, but I think this is going to be just a fun test from an opponent's standpoint.
0: Yeah, I agree. The Chargers are fun. You know, I don't get to see them play a lot, but watching them on film getting ready for this game, you're exactly right. All of those things are true. I mean, Herbert's going to throw it 40 times. So it's going to be a long game tonight. Uh, because of all the pass attempts. But Herbert can extend plays. He's deceptively athletic. He's got a great arm. Um, He's averaging 40 attempts per game for his career. He actually has the most attempts in NFL history by a player in their first three years in the NFL, and he's also the first quarterback ever to throw for over 4,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. So there's going to be a lot of passing tonight. Eckler is so good at uh, being able to create in space. They use him more as a pass catcher than a running back, as you've said. Leads all NFL running backs in, in catches and receiving yards uh, since he broke into the NFL as an undrafted player. <clears throat> and then on defense, yeah, it's James. And then they don't have Joey Bosa, but, you know, they they do have uh, Khalil Mack. They've got Van Noyes coming on more as an edge player now. And then Staley, yeah, he'll go forward on fourth down on your 20, on his 20 with two minutes to go in the – the third quarter or five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, they're a very analytical team. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. And as you said, if they win tonight, they'll make the playoffs for the first time since 2018. And then the national setting will get Justin Herberg into the playoffs for the first time, um, you know, as he kind of continues to, to chase the spotlight of a Patrick Mahomes or some of these other young quarterbacks. But, yeah, his first chance to play, at Lucas Oil Stadium tonight in prime time, and so from that standpoint, the Chargers are fun. They do play a very entertaining brand of football, and so we'll see how it all kind of plays out tonight against the team for the Colts that hopefully can relish, you know, playing a spoiler role and uh, you know put those playoff aspirations on hold for another week.
3: Factor fiction, Matt.
0: Tonight you will see the
3: best uniforms of any visiting team in the
0: NFL. Oh, I got to say fiction on that one. I mean, they're good. They are. I, they're good, but I I like the I like the classics of like the Chiefs or the Packers. Um You know, you knew I mean, they're good. The, Don't get me wrong. They're good. They're going to they're probably going to line up in like the the baby blues, the Carolina blues and the maybe the gold pants, but the the char- the new look Charger helmets are pretty sweet. I got to give you that. You know,
3: when it comes to the classic uniforms, and i was a late 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 bloomer on this one but i've got to admit and it's only been that i've become old and cantankerous the, Ra- the raiders are pretty strong man
0: oh yeah you know what's funny <laughs> I mean- is when i when i was a college football player at franklin college my my uh my head football coach rebranded our entire look to be the raiders we had the shield and we had our the, our, our, our uniforms weren't the same colors but from a design standpoint, we looked just like the Raiders, and I loved it.
3: Yeah, heck yeah! Man, Taylor's Bill Romanowski <laughs> started taking a started taking a bunch of transfers that were castoffs from Earlham and Hanover that nobody wanted.
9: Yeah, all the all the all the all the number two guys from Manchester came down, and we just balled out. All the, the rogue Goshen players
3: got booted out of school. <laughs> Kelly Leak pulled up on his bike—that's awesome. Yeah. So hey our Matt,
0: special, our special teams units literally were called Raider Force, so I'm not making it up. Beautiful, God, that's awesome. Beautiful.
3: Hey, Merry Christmas, man, and uh, enjoy tonight. Enjoy the call of Monday Night Football. I know it's probably not the same merits and stakes that you had anticipated at the beginning of the year, but it's still calling Monday Night Football. So enjoy it.
0: No, that's exactly right. Yep, it's just another opportunity to have fun, get behind the mic, and uh, and have some fun at prime time. That's that's exactly right. Matt Thanks, Taylor.
3: Later. Voice of the Colts on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Jake, I forgot who, who won your um,
4: – was it the Chargers that won the uniform or the helmet pole? Was it
3: uniform or helmet poll? It came do? down to – it was helmets. Okay, it came helmet. down to Chargers and Rams. It was the two L.A. teams. And I think – and we did – if, if you don't mind me saying so, I did that very scientifically, right? Boy, you were on it. They, I weren't you sending tweets from Spain? If I'm not mistaken, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah,
4: Shannon, um, hold hold the tour bus. I got to fire off the <laughs>
3: AFC West tweet. The uh, it was it came down to the Rams and the Chargers, and I'm pretty certain yes, the Chargers won. I think they're pretty sweet, man. So will they're they, they go sweet. powder blue tonight? That's a good question. What is their typical road? because They. I mean, Colts will go blue at home, right? Yeah, so they, they may go white, right? Yeah. I don't know. Just one of the uh, that, – Chargers are a fun product. That's again. the most important thing to look out for, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Well, we, we know where Jake's going to lead off the show tomorrow. so that's right. Looking forward to that. Um, all right, let's do a morning check down before the pop quiz coming up in about five minutes. Let's go back to the Pacers, actually. I know we've had a couple days off, so... Um, you might have missed the heroics from Tyrese Halliburton on Friday night, but it was exactly that. 43 points, 10 three-pointers. That is a franchise record. Hit the game winner with four seconds to go, and this comes off of an 0-for-9 effort with one point a little bit earlier in the month against this same Miami team. Here was Rick Carlisle after the 111-108 victory on the response from Tyrese Halliburton. The thing that you love about Tyrese Halliburton is he's he's an actions guy, he's He's not, a, he's not a words guy. He's an actions guy. And this was a, an amazing response, you know, to what happened last game against these guys. But he did it in the flow of the game and in the flow of what the team needed to do tonight. And that makes it even more special. Coach, what was your... Zero all-star debate for me with Tyrese Halliburton. It's a debate whether he's a starter or not yeah, on the fair. Eastern Conference. I mean, I,
3: I, I think he's gotten there, Jake. I, I think it's time to put for the Pacers. I don't mean for fans. The organization itself—it's kind of time to put to bed Wally Zerbiak's comments. Like, we get it. I mean, they were moronic comments, and I had no had idea he was on TV until four days ago. <laughs> I would, and furthermore, I don't—I didn't know that he had any connection to the New York Knicks. Right. I—I I know. I'm like very picturing strange. him as a Timberwolf. I mean, very strange. Uh, by the way, it was the Los Angeles Chargers that won the very scientific Jake Corey Twitter poll of best helmets in the National Football League. Elsewhere yesterday, in the Association. Back to basketball, by the way. Boston over Milwaukee, 139-118. Jason Tatum has been sensational lately. He had 41. It was Dallas over the Lakers, 124-115. Philly over New York, 119-112. Golden State, 123-109. The Knicks losing on Christmas Day is a tradition unlike any other. And the Nuggets over the Suns, 128-125. That game in overtime. I did see that uh, Bismack Biombo played in that game. He's my favorite mm. player, Sam. You know why? Why is that? Because his name is Bismack Biyombo. Sam. Just
4: S- Sam, good news. You learn your lesson. Now you'll never ask why is that ever again. I
8: choose to fuel chaos. Well, <laughs> that
4: is, yeah. That is yeah. correct. Could, Jake's paying you under the table right now.
8: Um, let's go
4: around the horn here and pick our uh, what, what stood out the most, I guess, out of week 16 in the NFL. I'll start T.Y. Hilton running that ball down from Dak Prescott. Just 12 snaps for T.Y. Hilton in that game. Yet on a third and 30, Hilton looked like a center fielder running that down for his first catch with the Cowboys, his lone catch in the game. Dallas comes back. They beat Philly. So the two losses this year for Philly, both to Dallas. Um, So T.Y. Hilton making his mark already there in Dallas. Sam Fritz, Jake Quarry, what uh, what stood out to you guys?
8: Uh, Green Bay Packers are going to make the playoffs. They need to win out, and uh, I believe they need the Vikings to lose one, and they play the Vikings. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry, they need Detroit to lose one, and they also play Detroit. So, in my opinion, the Green Bay Packers are going to win out the rest of the games. At 9-8, and they are going to make the playoffs. Mark
3: Dykton is shaking somewhere hearing that thought. A couple of things for me that jumped out. Number one, Miami had an opportunity to kind of seize control in a playoff race, and Tua absolutely terrible in the second half. Uh, That was not good. Same for Detroit, who wanted to stay kind of as one of those teams in the hunt and not a good performance losing to Carolina, who's under an interim coach thirty seven twenty three. The other thing as well. If you watch on election nights, you know, you're watching the the polls coming in, and things are changing and by the hour, and you you freak out, and wait a minute, there's more votes coming in from here. And then they finally say, "We have seen enough. We can now officially say, I probably need one more dump of votes. I probably need one more week to be able to say it for certainty. But I'm very close to saying that we've seen enough now to say that Jacksonville is ready to take the next step and to take control of the AFC South. And, Kevin, my concern for the Colts is, you know, you've got a division with Houston who's going to have the number one overall pick but appears to be a total mess. Tennessee is absolutely backsliding, and we don't know their quarterback situation in the future. But Jacksonville, it's come together for them. In the last month, they're a totally different team. Travis Etienne is 23 years old. He's a 1,000-yard back. Trevor Lawrence is starting to figure it out. And they win again. Uh, you know, Obviously, it was on Thursday. We've talked since then, but that's the thing that jumped out at me over the course of the week. So is it all going to come down to that final
4: game between those two teams, Jags and Titans? Both are 7 and 8. I I think even if Tennessee loses this week and Jacksonville wins, I thought if Tennessee won the final week of the season, they would win that tiebreaker on, like, division record. Basically, it's looking like you're going to get a win and get in Tennessee or Jacksonville. And it's in Jacksonville, though, right? Correct. Yeah. uh Yep, jumping in the pool on January 8th.
3: (laughs) I mean – the, the 14 diehard Jacksonville Jaguar fans. Tom Stallings, my buddy in Jacksonville, who is a Jags fan. He and 13 other people are going to be jumping in the pool.
4: Imagine, like, telling the Sunday night crew at the start of the year, yeah, I think the flex game is going to be Tennessee-Jacksonville. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess January 8th you get to go to Jacksonville, so you shouldn't complain uh, too much on that. A uh, couple quick college notes before we get to the pop quiz. Brady Allen, the Gibson Southern product uh, from a couple years ago, won a state championship. He is transferring from Purdue. He's entered his name in the transfer portal. I think there was some talk that he could be in line to be the new quarterback for Ryan Walters. Um, and then, Jake, I don't know. I, I Full transparency, I don't watch any of it. Um, did you see, like, Indiana
3: struggling with Kennesaw State? On I, Thursday night, I did see some of the game. Yes, Trace Jackson Davis didn't play. Um, you know, Jalen Kennesaw Hustopino State had the lead game.
4: at like the under twelve timeout.
3: Yeah, uh, we. Where was I? And it was on in the background, and we were watching it. I, I can't remember where I was exactly. Um, but yeah, Indiana's got to get. You know, listen, that's a game where you're kind of going deep into your roster, right, to see what what kind of run guys can get. But
4: um, avoid a disaster.
3: But... Avoid a disaster is a good way of saying it. But, that was I not necessarily rem- confidence inspiring.
4: Yeah, we'll see how they respond again when they come back. A long break with Trace Jackson Davis getting a whole lot of rest. I'm
3: afraid to ask uh, the nickname for Kennesaw State. Boy, I should know that because well, actually, what where was I? And it was on in the background, so I wasn't listening to it. Do you know Kennesaw? Do you know Kim? Yeah,
4: I, I I do. I'm the. I was just waiting for your like night analogy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Woo. Is it the Whoa. owls? The owls. Is it really? Kennesaw State. I like that. You know, actually, WGU Indiana is also the owls. Sage the owl. Because ambition never rests, and owls are up. They're nocturnal. So if you want to do your schoolwork online at wgu.edu slash Indiana, you can do so anytime. That's why they are the that. Owls.
4: Did you just parlay that into an ad read? You like
3: that? That's what I do. 700,000 Hoosiers, Kevin, have a college have college credits but have not finished their degree, and they can do so, WGU is one of the opportunities they have. You can also – That's
4: a 4 student, by the way, who what, just said those words. What's that? That's a 40 student who just said those that words. Is, <laughs>
3: that is correct. Thank you so much. And if you're 50, you probably should be a 40 student. Um, speaking of students, speaking of studying, pop quiz is next. Scotty Johnson sent us one. I'm sure that it is holiday-related. But it's next, your chance to win a Jiffy Lube prize pack on the line. 239-1070 is the telephone number on a Monday. We'll call it Christmas edition of Kevin and Query, 93.5-107.5 The Fan.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta.
3: All right, the telephone number is 239-1070. That's 239-1070. If you would like to call in for your chance at the pop quiz, I will tell you one of the answers has a local flavor. Actually, two of the answers have a local flavor. That is the easiest way to give hints.
4: Yeah, on that note, well, we got Notre Dame, South Carolina coming up this weekend in the Gator Bowl, and it's it's a week from today, right? Purdue and LSU in the Citrus Bowl? I think that's right. Yep. Because the New Year's Day bowls have been pushed to January second. Colts and Giants in New York next Sunday. Uh, the Giants are in a win and get in situation. So the next two opponents for the Colts, Chargers tonight, Giants coming up on Sunday, both facing
3: win and get in. When do your uh, When do your Tigers play, Jake? Uh, that's a good question. It's it has got to be January second, also, right? The Orange Bowl. Jason Hammer and I have a wager on that because he is a diehard Tennessee fan. I'm, of course, a diehard Clemson fan. So the loser has to buy – this is the – I made the same bet in the Orange Bowl with uh, McAfee when West Virginia and Clemson played in like 2011 and West Virginia dropped like 77 points on them. Um, the the winner – the loser has to go online and buy the the – orange bowl championships t-shirt for the winner i mean that's that's the wager Mm. uh i've made the person doing that what's that
4: you might be the only person that thinks oh let's buy the orange bowl championship t-shirt yeah
3: i mean last year for the cheese It bowl um my buddy al larson and i had the same wager and he he got me a nice cheese it bowl t-shirt which was cool the only person that's that that welches every time is the the few times they've played ohio state my ohio state buddy will not pay does that surprise you? No. Yeah. makes me hate Ohio State even more. Okay, we got
4: <laughs> Notre Dame, South Carolina, Friday at 3.30. Your Tigers are playing that Friday night. Tennessee at Clemson, Friday at 8 o'clock.
3: There you go. It's a uh, nice December little slate 30? of bowl
4: games. I, I feel like we're finally getting into – the the it Bowl, by the way, is Thursday night.
3: Do they dump the Cheez-Its on them? Yes. God, I love that. What's a mayo bowl? Nope, 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 not doing that. Not doing the Mayo dump. By the way, the uh, the Friday the 30th, that's the the annual, and I love it, the annual Kavoyan New Year's Eve Eve party. So I'll be decked in orange oh. at that. You, you've told me a few stories about that. It's a great, it's one of the great traditions. It's a
4: great honor. Oh, my go gosh, Friday's party. the Mayo Bowl. You could bring Mayo to the party. <laughs> maryland nc state boy mike loxley looks like a guy that would want some
3: mayo dumped on him (laughs) you are not lying about that uh all right give us a number kevin one through eight
4: uh let's go with number so what friday's
3: the
4: 30th take off the zero let's go with number three
3: all right number three number three is tim what's up tim hey good morning guys how are you doing fine thanks have you called the program before i have yes sound like a nice fella uh, did Tim, good... Merry Belated
9: Christmas. Yeah, did you have a good Christmas, Tim? I had a wonderful Christmas, and hopefully you guys did too. What
3: was the number one item that you uh, opened for Christmas, Tim?
9: <laughs> it was a cordless electric knife, which I requested.
3: A wow. cordless electric knife? So you know a, what you're
9: it, doing in the kitchen.
3: I do, I do. Are you a law-abiding wow. citizen? I am. Do you have a short temper?
9: Oh, um, you can say that. Nope.
5: <laughs> I tell you what,
9: we- Tim.
4: I, I, Tim, I don't know if you're much of a gambler, but right now in Vegas for minus two fifty, you can get Jake making a tiny Tim joke here in the next five minutes.
9: <laughs> if uh, I could get through online to Vegas, I would do it right. Tim, now. do you ever tiptoe yep, through uh,
3: the tulips? Okay,
9: uh, <laughs> there it is. All right, thank you. Uh, Here we
4: go, question number one for you, Tim. I just feel Tim giving you these laughs just so you give him hints. Well, he's got an
3: electric knife. He doesn't have to give me anything. Uh, Here we go, question number one. The Colts and Chargers are playing tonight on Monday Night Football in a game that will be seen in the Indianapolis area and then by 74 people in Los Angeles. Who leads the all-time series between these two teams? They have played 30 times. One has won 19 times. The other has won 11 times.
9: Let's go with the
4: Colts. San Diego Super
3: Chargers. That's a great song, by the way, Ken. San Diego.
4: Okay, let's go with
9: the Chargers then. Okay.
4: Uh, Tim's a smart fellow. The Bucks, Tim, needed OT to get past the Cardinals last night. I actually watched it on the whole flight. It was a very good, bad game, if that makes sense. It was Tom Brady's 14th career win in OT, including the playoffs that ties the NFL record for most overtime wins. Whose record did Brady tie? Brett Favre, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, or
9: Peyton Manning? Let's say Drew Brees.
3: Okay. Question number three for you. This one's a little convoluted, so listen closely. Uh, Nikola, uh, excuse me, Nikola Jokic had forty-one points, fifteen rebounds, and fifteen assists last night as the Nuggets beat Phoenix in overtime. It was just the fourth forty-point, fifteen-board, fifteen-assist triple-double in NBA history and the feat has been accomplished by just three men. Name the only player in NBA history who has done it twice to record fifty, or excuse me, 40, 15, and 15 tr- with a triple-double. Was it Russell Westbrook, Oscar Robertson, James Harden, or Jokic himself?
9: Let's say um, Oscar Robertson.
3: Okay.
4: Tim. All right, number four. The Dolphins fell to the Packers yesterday. Tua Tungabiola threw three interceptions on consecutive drives in the fourth quarter. Who was the last Dolphins quarterback to throw three fourth quarter interceptions in a game? A. J. Fiedler. B. Ryan Fitzpatrick. C. Dan Marino. Or D. Chad Henney?
9: Wow. Well, let's. Uh... Let's go with um, Dan Marino. Might need a hint here. Uh, Tim, three for three.
4: I, sorry, unless, <laughs> unless you got that electric knife up to Jake's.
3: Well, we will we not go anywhere. But All right, Tim, here we go with the last one. On this day uh, in 1960, the Green Bay Packers and their head coach Vince Lombardi suffered his only loss as an NFL coach in a playoff game. Name the team that knocked off Lombardi's Packers in the 1960 NFL championship game. I will tell you that this same franchise lost the 1980 Super Bowl when Kenny King ran all over them, if that tells you anything. Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, Cleveland Browns, or Baltimore Colts?
9: Well, I would have said the Browns, but they've never made it to a Super Bowl, right? So, um... Let's go with the Baltimore Colts.
4: All right. I like Tim. I think Tim's a good mix of
9: smart and fun. Tim, uh, did you grow up in the area? I grew up in Newcastle, actually. Uh, What year did you graduate from Newcastle? 74. I was a year younger than Benson. So you would have been – well, what year was Phil Cox? Phil Cox, I believe, uh, from Connersville. 73, right? Yes, yes.
3: 73, Mr.
9: Basketball. Did you and go, the most underrated Newcastle basketball player? Well, here's one that, that you guys probably wouldn't wouldn't guess is Mike Kovaleski. He was uh he was Alford's wingman, you know, played football at Notre Dame, by the way. Hmm. No, nobody messed with Alford because Mikey had his back. How about Darnell Archie? He was pretty good. Uh who was the other kid?
3: Zach Hahn, he was a decent player from yep, Newcastle. Yep. Brandon yep. Miller was a Newcastle kid, right?
4: Bruce Haran go the
3: there? For a while. Yep, yep. Yeah, man, Butler did it. Chased Jim, were the you gall. there in 1983 mm-hmm. in the morning game when the Heineman twins broad of Connorsville yep. knocked him out? Yep,
9: yep. That was in the that was actually in the championship game because Alford scored 57 against no, 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 no Broad no. Ripple in the afternoon game. No.
3: Alford scored 57, went 25-25 from the free throw line against Broderpool to win in the semi-state and then in the wasn't it the state finals in the morning game they lost to Connersville in 83
9: No, it was in the it was in the semi-state championship game that night. Okay, sorry. Are you really? That's I thought right. they Jake so, he's got an electric knife just So Connorsville
3: went to the final four and won it all though, right? In 83, that's, right? That's that's correct. Yeah, my apologies. I was thinking it was that they won the semi-state and then got beat by Connorsville in the morning no. game of the final four.
9: Nope. they won the morning game against Broad Ripple. The one you referenced, where Alfred went twenty-five for twenty-five from the free throw line, and then they got beat by the Heineman Twins. Yeah, man,
3: Mark Lenore was a heck of a player for Broad Ripple back then. All right, here we go. Question number one: uh, The Chargers, in fact, lead at nineteen to eleven over the Colts.
4: Yeah, Tim got off to a great start here. Who's record of Tom Brady break, or excuse me, tie last
3: night? Fourteenth career win in an OT game. It was indeed Drew Brees. Uh, question three, Oscar Robertson in 1961 and 1962 was the correct answer. This is where things went awry. Uh, question yeah. four, it was not Dan Marino. It was actually former Michigan mediocre quarterback Chad Henney in 2009. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, 17-13 in Philadelphia, Vince Lombardi's only postseason loss. He was 9-1. and one. Tim, enjoy the uh, – Remote controlled, battery free, whatever it is, kitchen knife. All right.
9: (laughs) Thank you, guys. Have a great day. See ya.
3: You know, if
4: things. I thought if you're going to challenge him one more time on the Newcastle, he's going to show up. I misunderstood what he
3: was saying. I thought he was saying that. Yeah, I mean, I I misunderstood what he was saying. But the Heinemans, interesting because that Heineman team, Mike Heinemann, went on to Wisconsin, and he was on the team that in 87, when Alford was a senior at Indiana, in the game where Alford broke the all time. Indiana scoring mark over Don Schlunt. Uh, Heineman was on that team that took Indiana into triple overtime. Joe Hillman airballed out of the corner. Dean Garrett put it back at the buzzer to win in triple overtime. And that's when Bob Knight went off about the late-night games for ESPN. Only to later become the broadcast analyst for late-night games on ESPN. <laughs> Another feather in the cap of hypocrisy of the career, Bob Knight. You know, rattling off
4: those Newcastle players, I obviously we, we know it, but it just goes to show you um, the lineage that they have. Out there, decades long. All right, we'll do it one final time. We'll give our picks. Again, Chargers favored by four and a half tonight. Colts and Chargers. Kevin and Query right here on a Monday.
3: the stories that kind of came out yesterday or went for those of you that are not on social media may not have seen it Uh, and it was cool and that is Indiana guard forward whichever way you want to list him Anthony Leal at Christmas time awarding or gifting to his sister that he had paid off her student loans with his NIL money because he had sent the tweet that said those of you that have a problem with NIL money I get it but it makes things like this possible. Now, of course, who knows what the amount might have been on her remaining student loans. Is his older sister, I believe. I mean, it could have been $500. I have no idea. Uh, except for that, and I do not mean this in a bad way at all, but for those that were under the impression that marquee players in college athletics were getting you know, pizza money due to NIL, or when you hear people say, like, you know, the vast majority of kids, all they're getting is a an occasional deli sandwich as part of their NIL. Uh, Anthony Leal has yet to score a point this year. He, he's played very sparingly for Indiana. I, he, he might have been a preferred walk-on when he first arrived. I can't recall. But if he's getting that kind of NIL money, then it makes you wonder or it makes you realize, I guess, is a better way of saying it. Rightly so. Understandably and rightly so because they bring in a ton, ton, ton of money to athletic programs. But the Trace Jackson Davises of the world and the – you know, the blue-chip, five-star Jalen hood shafinos they're getting more than simply money at, for popcorn at the movie theater, as yeah, evidenced by a... the fact that Leo was paying off his sister's student loans.
4: Yeah, that, that was a really cool video. I mean, no matter what you think of NIL, um, just sure. cool to see the family emotion with that. i He was on scholarship. You know, he, he's been on scholarship. But to your point, Jake, I mean, what, he's your 11th man? Yeah, you know, I, for it, some
3: reason I was thinking when he first got there that he was preferred walk on. He was a Mr. Basketball, obviously, but you know, yeah.
4: But I either mean, way, Trey Galloway, right? The same class. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of always been thought. I, I think there was some chatter last year, honestly, that you know maybe he should have got some more playing time with Indiana struggling from the um, from the perimeter. But um, you know, the guy that played really well for Indiana the other night was a guy you've talked about before, and Tamar Bates. You know, yes. microwave really came off the bench at 19 for Indiana the other night and you know he's not going to play point guard but he's going to get some more minutes now with the xavier johnson injury uh jalen hushifino continuing to run the point and if you look at it right now again the competition elon and kennesaw state jalen hushifino scoring just fine but 10 assist and or, uh, yeah 10 assists and eight turnovers in those two games so that will be something to continue to monitor when indiana gets back from break and uh, picks their Big Ten schedule back up.
3: The uh, the other big news in the final minute here, Brady Allen, uh, the quarterback, talented quarterback from Gibson Southern at Purdue, uh, will enter the transfer portal. We shall see if that means that he leaves Purdue. There was some talker speculation that he had had some challenges with Jeff Brom's offense uh, at Purdue, so I don't know if Louisville would be the slam dunk that people would assume, but we shall see. He's also would he from go to Indiana? Indiana? Well, he's from southern Indiana, right? So... Probably has a lot of friends that go to IU. Um, He may go back to Purdue. You know, it remains to be seen. It's probably in his best interest to look around and see what's out there. And NIL probably comes into play there as well. So, he is a talented kid, at least based on – I thought he was a wonderful player in high school. All right, let's do our picks
4: again. Minus four and a half tonight. The Chargers favored by the Colts and over under of 45 and a half. Monday night football here. The Chargers win and they are in for the Colts. They are fifth in the draft position order. Um, could move or could stay right there with, with, with a loss. If they win, they'd move down to seventh. Sam Fritz, lead us off.
8: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers and I'll say it's going to be a win by 14. Jake 29-27.
3: Colts shocked the world with Nick Foles, and they screw up their draft position.
4: I will go with Chargers 30,
3: Colts 23.
4: I think Nick Foles gives him a little bit more there. Chase McLaughlin on the field goal front. Jake, percentage of Colts fans in the building tonight that want to win?
3: 35.
10: Ooh.
4: Man, just hearing that. Uh, we'll unpack it all tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Kevin Querry signing off.